from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. Hope you're all having a good day, enjoying yourselves, having some fun. Happy, happy March 20th. Can't believe that we're already through the midpoint of March, but the Ides of March are rolling and things are happening and the NCAA tournament is crazier than ever, but I love it. I love it a lot. So I'm having a lot of fun with this NCAA tournament. The brackets may be busted. The people may be upset. The brackets are busted. The big teams can't be trusted. It is just, I mean, it's crazy, but it's so awesome at the same time. And if you could just appreciate that, just appreciate the fact that your brackets got red all over it and enjoy these games that are coming up. That's the fun of it all, folks. So we're going to discuss that here in the first hour of the show. We're going to get into the brackets and what they look like and what's going on and what are my thoughts about it and did I have any of these teams going. We'll discuss all of that coming up here in just a moment. And then from there, you're going to hear from the Butler Bulldogs. I had an opportunity and a blessing after the game. Obviously, I was out in Detroit, and the last show that we did was out in Detroit. So for Monday, we didn't have our show because I was traveling, but on Sunday, we did a bonus bonus show so that you had something to kind of hold you over because we're Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern time. And so because we couldn't do Monday, we did a little bit of Sunday and gave you an extra feel for that. So coming up on today's show, you're going to hear from Henry Badley, of the Butler Bulldogs, as well as Sean McDermott, Paul Jorgensen, and Aaron Thompson. And then as far as the Syracuse Orange, you'll hear from Barama Sidibe, Pascal Chuku, as well as Marek Dolajai, O'Shea Brissett, Frank Howard, Tyus Battle, and Matthew Moyer will all be on today's show. They'll be in the second hour of the show, and we're going to do the ingredients to success which are proudly brought to you by Utica Pizza Company, a place that I have missed dearly since I've been on the road. Trying to find some good pizza when you're elsewhere is not an easy thing. And no matter what you find, it's not Utica Pizza. Make sure you find your way over to Utica Pizza on 628 South Main Street in North Syracuse, New York. Today, you can call them at 315-214-3060 for catering as well as takeout and delivery. That is 315-214-3060. Make sure that you give them a phone call today and go out and see them on 628 South Main Street in North Syracuse, right by Sweetheart Corners. Let's get into the morning menu so we can get in to this crazy bracket. Here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. We like to start off the show by giving you our menu of topics. The morning menu that is live now with the morning menu is Dan Tortora. The 
the morning menu right here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Thank you so much, and I appreciate you for being a part of today's broadcast. So, And every single Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, as well as... Whenever we do bonus shows like we did this past Sunday when we were on the road live from Detroit. And I want to get, you know, obviously you know that we're in central and upstate New York. And, you know, we do events all over Syracuse and all all over central New York. And you get to see us and hang out with us. And we do trivia on Tuesdays at Sammy Malone's in Beeville. And we do game show, CNY Game Show Night, which is a totally new creation, which is a bonding of Family Feud and Pictionary. We do that every Thursday night at 7 p.m. in Baldwinsville at Muddy Waters. And then, you know, we have all the other events that we've done, the pregame shows for Syracuse football, the pregame shows for Syracuse basketball, as well as the shows we do with the Wildcat. We had one last night. The women showed up, and their supporters were there as well. The Wildcat women, the West Genesee Wildcats girls basketball team showed up with so many supporters, as always, it's the second time we got to have them there. They made it to the Final Four for the States, and so we got to celebrate that with them, that they won a Class AA championship for sectionals for the second year in a row. Stafford Spreeder has been the head coach for three years at West Genesee, and in two of the three years, they've won a sectional championship. Then they went on to get into the state playoffs and have an opportunity to win states and went to the Final Four. And I'm so proud of the work that they've done and so thankful for the young women that I've had the opportunity to get to know and speak with. So I want to I want to give a big shout out to everybody that was there. That show is going to air inside of Wake Up Call tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Eastern Time Sharp. I want to give a thank you to Bailey Legnetto as well as Mackenzie Smith, Madison Smith, Maya Case, Haley Collins, and of course, head coach Stafford Spreeder for being a part of the broadcast, for being amazing, for being supportive, and just being the wonderful people that they are. So thank you times a million. I truly appreciate everything that you have done. And it means it means so much to me. I really do appreciate it. So, and, and I want to give a shout out to to Don Bond who put, I heard you asking Coach B a question after the game, and so he sent me a little message there. So thank you, Don Bond, for listening into the press conference out in out in Detroit, and for giving me a shout out. I appreciate that very much. So thank you to you. Write me a little message here this morning. And, yeah, he, he mentioned that a kid asked a question. Yeah, there was a kid that, that was asking questions out there. And, you know, he was I, – I appreciate all that stuff. You know, I think that that's a really amazing thing and a wonderful thing when, when kids get to do that and get to ask questions. And, you know, and, they, and he was saying that Jim Beheim was like, ah, you know, next question. But I'm happy that Jim answered the question and that he did that. You know, I appreciate the facts that he took the time to answer the question for the young man. So big ups to that. You know, it was fun to be in the room and see, you know, young men and women doing these things. Pardon me. Woo! So I am not trying to make you tired this morning. I have I have had 14-hour days 
for like two weeks. And I came home yesterday on the first flight from Detroit, told myself I was going to go to sleep. And then the wonderful, beautiful, ever exciting DMV made my day a long and arduous process of something that they messed up that I had to fix. So shout out to the DMV. First, let me say this. Shout out to the lady at the DMV that helped me because she was awesome and she made the whole cluster okay. But to the rest of the people in the process, you know, it was it was not a fun process. And everybody helped out and did stuff. Nobody was mean. Nobody was tough. No, I mean, nobody was rude to me. It's just, you know, it was just a long, arduous process. And the DMV, the first person I had spoke with, said that it was their error, but I had to fix it. And I was like, if I didn't have, if I had a nickel for every time that somebody screwed up and I had to fix it. <laughs> so, but, you know, there we go. One more time. But I got to say, you know, God is great. He gave me a phenomenal day. And I have nothing to complain about. Yeah, I wanted to go to sleep. Yeah, I wanted to relax. Yeah, it's been a long couple weeks in the best of ways. But, you know, what do I have to complain about? I do what I love. I wake up every morning and I have somebody that loves me tremendously. I have a little puppy that I love. I have a mother who would do anything for me. What do I have to complain about? And... The coolest thing happened yesterday. While I'm going through this long, crazy day of stuff, my mom is texting me and she's like, are you still at the DMV? And I was like, yeah, you know, I'm trying to figure this out and it's just been a long day and I wanted to go to sleep and try and catch up on some rest here so that I could be ready to go out to Omaha and this, that, and the other. And so my mom just kind of texted me and I was like, oh, you know, I appreciate that. And my mom's like wanting to make sure that I'm okay. And I asked my mom, like, we changed our address. Do I have to get a new license because I didn't want to pay for another one? She's like, no, they could just give you a sticker. And I didn't even know that they did that. So I'm talking to mom about it and we're setting everything up and whatnot. And then I, I get out. This is the, this is the like awesomeness of my mom. I walk out of the DMV and I go to my car and I'm trying to put my new registration on my car. So I'm putting the registration on the car and somebody beeps their horn and I was like, ah, whatever. And then they beeped again and I turn around and I look and my, there's my mom sitting in her car. I was like, what's up? She's like, what's going on? She's like, are you all done? I said, yeah. She's like, you got to go back inside or something. I said, no. And I was like, what are you doing? She said, I was in the neighborhood. I want to come over. My mom literally, my whole day spent running around Syracuse, New York, trying to get this thing figured out. And my mom showed up just because she wanted to see me. And let me know that she's there and she wanted to give me some positivity in the craziness. And so I was like, Mom, what do you want to do? She was like, I don't know. You want to go to Chick-fil-A? And obviously anybody that's ever listened to the show knows that that answer is always yes. So <laughs> so I was like, sure. My mom had never been to Chick- to uh, to this Chick-fil-A. So she brought me out to Chick-fil-A and we had lunch together and It was the greatest gift on a day where I was exhausted and just wanted to go home. You know, it was, it was, 
my mother just going the extra mile like she always does. And I thanked her for that yesterday. I said, Mom, I want to thank you for being the awesome mom that you are and for just showing up. And she's writing me. She's writing me a message right now. So, but no, I mean, she, she's the nicest, she's the nicest lady and she does, she goes above and beyond like the, and those are the things like the little surprise moments that she does, you know, it's like, it's one thing to text your son and be like, Hey, it's going to be all right. Don't worry. It's not a bad day. I know you're tired, but it's going to be all right. It's one thing to do that and be a great mom being like, you know, I'm with you and I love you and it's going to be okay. And it's another thing to show up where I am just so, so I could see her smiling face. And then she's like, Hey, you want to go to Chick-fil-A? And then we went and had, we had dinner together and it was wonderful. And I had a great time with her. So I want to thank, I want to thank my mom for showing up yesterday. Like she always does and brightening up my day. Like she always does. So shout out to my mama. And I thank you so much for that. We're going to take a quick step aside here. We're going to come back and speak on those brackets and what they look like today in an ever-exciting March Madness in just a moment. This is a wake-up call. Fast break. Carvel DeWitt, it's what happy tastes like. Do you know why? Because we make ice cream. Creamy, rich, flavorful ice cream. Not yogurt or ice milk like some of our competitors. Ice cream. Fresh, by hand, daily. For the calorie conscious, we have something new for you. Our new Carvelite. Same great flavor, creaminess, and texture of our regular ice cream with only 35 calories an ounce. So whether you want an ice cream cake, flying saucer, dasher, carvalanche, hard or soft ice cream, we will satisfy your craving with our fresh, handmade, regular, or new Carvelite ice cream. Carvel DeWitt. It's what happy tastes like. Clothing that will change with you without you having to change. DrysigLady.com, D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, Lady.com. With the bamboo line, relaxed fit clothing, as well as the athletic fit clothing, DrysigLady.com is fit for any woman, any time of the day, anywhere. Whatever you're doing, whatever your day commands of you, Command yourself to feel comfortable in Dreisig Lady Apparel. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G Lady.com. For all the women out there, feel good in what you're wearing. And don't feel like you have to constantly change throughout the day. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, a business owner, going for a jog, going for a meeting, or just relaxing at home, DrysigLady.com is the right fit for you. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, lady.com. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. Call our home office at 315-752-9513, or better yet, call or text me directly at 315-748-2524. Let me ask you a question, Lawrence. If I needed you to help me buy a house, find the right place, could you help me do that? Joe, I'll help you find your dream home. You don't ever say my name on the radio, never. If I needed to sell a house, could you help me go about that the right way? Yes, yes I can. How do they get a hold of you? Call me directly at 315-748-2524. But you also do the commercial property. So if I got a business, couple businesses, got to take one here, move it over there, do this, do that. Are you going to help me buy and sell my commercial property also? Yes, sir. 
I like that. I like that. What's my name again? I have no idea. Absolutely, but they need to know your name, so give it one more time. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. My phone number is 315-748-2524. Why don't you tell them your name one more time and that number so we can jot it down. This is Lawrence Papaleo. Call me or text me directly at 315-748-2524. Muddy Waters Kitchen and Bar is your home on the water for every season. Join them on Wednesdays for all-you-can-eat wings, chicken thighs, and drumsticks from 3 to 9 p.m. And on Thursdays, join me, Dan Tortora, for live game show night. A new night out unlike anything you've played before in central and upstate New York every Thursday at 7 p.m. And while you're there on Thursdays at Muddy Waters Kitchen and Bar from 5 to 9 p.m., join them for the barbecue all-you-can-eat buffet with buffet-style sides, ribs, and pulled pork chicken thighs and drumsticks and on wednesdays and thursdays all day happy hour you know how to get it done right at muddy waters kitchen and bar on 2 oswego street in baldwinsville new york welcome back here to wake up call with dan tortora on wake up call dt.com your one-stop sports shop and on mixlr.com backslash wake up call dt happy to be here with you this morning on tuesday march 20th how are my people out there? I hope you're good. I hope you're having fun. I hope you're enjoying life, making the most of it, buying your tickets for the CNY Pop Festival. That's right, folks. I'm amped. I'm pumped. We have we, we, vendors coming in, entertainers from TV and movies, Syracuse basketball alumni, Syracuse football alumni, just constant additions to the CNY Pop Festival that's going to happen on August 12th, which is a Sunday of this year. You need to sign up. It's an all-day event. Sign up, get your tickets right now. We have a special May the 4th Be With You promotion from now to May 4th. If you buy an adult ticket, you get a free children's ticket. And we have VIP tickets on sale. CNYPopFestival.com. Click on Buy Tickets Now. And you can go directly to CNYPopFestival.EventBrite.com. Make sure that you go and get your tickets. I am so amped and so pumped. I got meetings about the CNY Pop Festival this week before I head to Omaha. Buy your tickets now. With that being said, let's get into the craziness of this bracket. I told you in the morning menu, we're going to talk some March Madness, some brackets, and what's going on, Sweet 16, because we haven't gotten into that discussion yet. Then you're going to hear from the Butler Bulldogs, a team that I have respected for a very long time. Since I was back in high school, I started paying attention to Butler. That's how rel- It's hard to believe that it's been that long, but that's, that's how relevant. I shouldn't say hard to believe, but it's crazy for me that they became relevant when I was in like ninth grade and I've been out of college for 11 years. So yeah, they've been relevant for almost, almost two decades, the Butler Bulldogs. So with that being said, you know, Butler always a fun team to watch and I got to watch them firsthand in Detroit and I had the opportunity to speak with them after both of their games. You heard my conversations with them prior to their game inside of the round of 32, and you will hear their thoughts coming off of that game where Purdue advanced to the Sweet 16, 76-73, and a last-second shot by Butler didn't fall. You'll hear from those gentlemen in just a little bit. And, of course, in the second hour of the broadcast, you will hear from the Syracuse Orange, Matthew Moyer, Moyer, Pascal Chuku, Barama Sidibe, Marek Dolajai, O'Shea Brissett, 
Tyus Battle, and Frank Howard will all grace the stage of Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora in just a little while. And, of course, we'll do the ingredients to success. We'll speak on Duke and how can Syracuse hope to take down the Duke Blue Devils. We'll get into that in just a little while here on the broadcast. But before we do that, we're bracket busting right now, and we're speaking on the Sweet 16 on WakeUpCallDT.com and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. So let's take a look at the South Bracket. The Virginia Cavaliers got bumped out by the 16-seeded UMBC. Took them down and took them out of this NCAA tournament UMBC making it happen, and when I say it, it makes me think of private parts with Howard Stern when he was going, WNBC, WNBC, that's what it makes me think of here, so UMBC, the Retrievers retrieve the first victory ever for a 16 seed, 16 seeds were 0-132 coming into this NCAA tournament, and they come out of this one 1 in 135. They said that a number 16 had never beaten a number 1 and hard to believe at the age of 32 that I experienced it already that a number 16 seed <coughs> crazy has won this thing. 15 seeds have won as well and a 15 seed won 2 years ago when Middle Tennessee State took out 2 seeded Michigan State. So we look at 15 seeds, 14 seeds, 11s. I mean, Hawaii winning games in Northern Iowa. And, I mean, uh, Stephen F. Austin. A couple years ago when Syracuse made it into the Final Four, I had Hawaii, I had Stephen F. Austin. I had crazy, crazy picks that ended up being right. Crazy to some people, not to me. This year, UMBC. I can't, I still can't. Can you not? I mean, you wake up this morning and you're going... I didn't, you know, because you're going to, you can say that now to your kids and your kids' kids that I was alive when a 16 beat a 1. I thought that there was a chance I could be 80 years old before that happened. 1 in 135, UMBC is the first team to take down a number 1. And they didn't just take down a number 1. They took down the number 1 overall seed in the tournament, the ACC regular season champion and ACC tournament champion, Virginia Cavaliers, who I thought would win a championship this year, who many thought would win a championship this year, and busted 20, what is it, like 20% of the brackets that were out there? And UMBC didn't just win at the buzzer, they won by 20 points, 74 to 54. They completely, utterly embarrassed the number one seed took him out took him out and made the game look opposite they look like the number one overall seed because that's what number one seeds do Villanova won their game over there over 16 seeded Radford by 26 points and then we go to Kansas beat Penn by 16 points Xavier scored 102 points and beat Texas Southern by 19 points in their game. And then you go over to UMBC in Virginia, and it was a 20-point victory, but in the opposite direction. So it was funny that UMBC didn't just win. They won handily, and they commanded the second half and took over this game and made it happen. But they moved on, and in the Sweet 16, Kansas State is here. And who would have thunk it, right? 
Kansas State beats Creighton 69-59. I said it. Whenever I pick Creighton, they lose. Whenever I don't pick them, they win. So I picked them this year against my will, and I just I went back and forth with myself, and I said, listen, no matter what I do, they're going to lose or they're going to win. or It's going to be the opposite of what I pick because that's Creighton's one of those teams that does that to me. Wisconsin's done that in history before, but Wisconsin wasn't in the tournament to lose this year, believe it or not, so I didn't have to worry about it. So Kansas State wins. Of course they do. And then Kansas State, this is the thing that's crazy. Who would have thought Kansas State would, let alone get over Creighton necessarily, in the 8-9 matchup, Kansas State the 9, and then not have to play Virginia, and then beat UMBC and move on? Who would have thought that this was going to happen? So Kansas State's in the Sweet 16. Who? How many people had that show of hands? Now put your hands down because it ain't right. Now, Kentucky and Buffalo, this is the part of my South bracket I got 100% correct. I had Kentucky, and yes, I had the Buffalo Bulls, the Charging Bulls, the Bulls that won by 21 points in this game. I told you if Arizona and Buffalo were going to run the score up, then the running of the Bulls I thought would get the slight edge, the advantage, and win this game and make it happen. They won handily. But then they, and then they were really close with Kentucky in the second half. I left to go get a sandwich from Wahlburgers out in Detroit. I come back to my television. They lost by 20. How does that happen? It's a three point game and they lost by 20. So Kentucky obviously blew up in the last few minutes and acted like Kentucky. They're playing Kansas state. And all of a sudden Kentucky's got a path to the final four. Believe it or not. When I thought that Kentucky, you know, I I had them going this far. But I didn't have them going farther than this, so we shall see. But I can't imagine that Kansas State will beat them, but this has been an insane tournament, so we'll have to see where we go from here. Loyola, Chicago. I picked them to beat Miami. Yes, I did. They did that, and then Tennessee won, and I had Tennessee over Wright State. Then Loyola, Chicago played Tennessee and beat them by a point with a shot that went up, rolled on the rim, hit the backboard, bounced on the rim, and fell in. Talk about having some Jesus on your side. Loyola Chicago, well, at least they have that wonderful young young 98-year-old woman on their side. They move forward, and Loyola Chicago, the 11 seed, is in the Sweet 16. Nevada and Cincinnati had them both winning their respective games. Nevada pulled off an amazing comeback against Texas, and after that, they took care of Cincinnati at the end of the game, the Martin brothers are insanely good. They are so much fun to watch. And if you haven't been watching Nevada and you don't know who the Martin brothers are, then make sure that you go online today. Do it right now while you're listening to the show. Go to YouTube, look up Martin Brothers Nevada or Nevada Martin, whatever it may be. Look it up today and watch these guys because. They are the type of unstoppable in this tournament that you would expect out of a Kentucky or out of a Duke. When they go out to the floor, they're going to make you pay. They're going to make it happen. They're going to make it all worth it. And I want to get into it right now here. I thought Cincinnati could be dangerous this year. And at the same point, I was like, you know, it's Cincinnati. There's certain teams that it doesn't matter what year necessarily. You just see the name on the line and you just kind of think to yourself, is this a safe pick? I mean, there's no safe picks (laughs) this year. It, you know, there really isn't, but at the same time, you know, you teams like Cincinnati, when they're a two seed, it's like they should win, but they don't. So Caleb Martin and Cody Martin 
for the Nevada Wolfpack have been insanely good for this team. They combined to score. Cody and Caleb combined to score 35 points in the game against Cincinnati. And Cody had 25. He was 10 for 20. He was bananas in the first game against Texas that they played in and everything that they did to win that game in overtime, 87 to 83, scoring 19 points to 15 against Texas in OT. Absolutely amazing and tremendous play and big ups to them for all the work that they did to make this tournament so wonderful. Nevada, the seven seed. Some people had Texas. I had Nevada, and now Nevada's on to the Sweet 16 to play Loyola Chicago. So that means that in the Elite Eight, we will at least have Nevada the 7 or Loyola Chicago the 11 in the Elite Eight. How crazy is that? And if Kansas State somehow gets by Kentucky, I'm putting my money on Loyola Chicago or or Nevada, one of those two, heading to the Final Four. Loving it. The West bracket here on Wake Up Call on MixLR.com backslash Wake Up Call DT. In the West, Xavier, number one seed. I said that they were the weakest and shakiest number one seed going into this tournament. And I know that Virginia lost to UMBC, but who would have thought that that was going to happen? Besides my wife, who when we started filling out the brackets, I was like, Virginia or UMBC? She was like, I don't know. She's like, I think UMBC. And I was like, well, babe, Virginia's the number one overall seed. She's like... Yeah, I want UMBC. So I guess my wife is smarter than 99.9999999999% of the universe because she wanted UMBC. So obviously UMBC showed that Virginia was the weakest, number one. But going into this thing, I thought Xavier was, and I, I did not think that they were going to the Final Four. I didn't even have them going to the Elite Eight. So, and they didn't make it. Florida State beats Missouri in a game where I went back and forth, you know, and and I said, well, maybe Michael Porter Jr. Jr. will come back better than he did in his last game. Maybe he'll have a better game, have a better moment. Maybe things will work out for him. I went with the maybe instead of going with knowing that Florida State is a team that, you know, that hasn't had a bad season, hasn't had a bad year this year. They've been up and down, but... I went the other way. I shouldn't have. I should have learned my lesson. FSU, I cover every single year. And Michael Porter, whatever he was, Florida State is a unit. They won their game. Respect to them because they proved me wrong in that one. South Dakota State only lost by eight, but that was one of my 12-5 that I was trying to get right. Ohio State ends up winning that game. Gonzaga, you know I go with the Zags. I always think the Zags are good for a few. And, you know, hopefully seeing them get back to themselves a little bit here. They won 68-64, to made me nervous, a few people nervous. UNC Greensboro in the first round. But in the second round against Ohio State, they, got from, they went from 68 in the first game to 90 in the second game. Took care of Bennis and were able to score 90 points to overcome Ohio State's 84 to move on to the Sweet 16 to face Florida State in a matchup that I feel like not a lot of people had, and I'm very excited for that one. Houston and San Diego State, back and forth with this one. I wanted to pick Houston because I got a lot of respect for the American Athletic, and they went to the championship game. But then San Diego State was like upset city. Houston wins by two in that game, and then they lose to Michigan by only a single point. So big ups to Houston for having an amazing run this season, and I hope that they never go unnoticed. 
because it would be a travesty if they did. They had a good year. Michigan wins their game over Montana, and then they go ahead and beat, like I said, Houston by a point. They're on to the Sweet 16. I had them there as well. Texas A&M takes out Providence. I went back and forth with this one. This was probably my toss-up game of the round of 64. There was a couple of them. This was definitely one of them for sure. I went with Providence ultimately in Texas A&M won. I had North Carolina over Lipscomb. And then Texas A&M took it to North Carolina. How about this? Cincinnati goes down to Nevada, but North Carolina goes down to Texas A&M. Both seven seeds, Nevada and Texas A&M, both seven seeds in this tournament, and both handle their business. Nevada does it right before the buzzer, and Texas A&M does it by 21 points. Spanked North Carolina. Told North Carolina the whole second half, it's cute that you play in the ACC. It's cute that you had some fun this year, but you ain't going anywhere. You are not returning as a, as a reigning champion. We'll see you when we see you. It ain't going to happen. You will not be in the two-peat. You are not going to be repeating anything. You're just going to be heading your way out of this tournament. Texas A&M as a seven seed. And you feel like Texas A&M, you know, should be higher, should be a better seed. When I say Texas A&M and I tell you that Texas A&M is, is, is only a seven seed in this tournament on the same line as Nevada, some people might be totally confused, but that's where they're at. That is the truth. And this team has come up big after playing their time inside of the SEC this season. How about this? They finished eighth in the SEC, and they're going to the Sweet 16. Auburn's not. The Gators aren't. And this is nuts. Kentucky is. Arkansas is not. Missouri's not. Mississippi State didn't make it in. So, very interesting. Very, very interesting how the eighth best team just beat North Carolina by 21 points. In the East bracket, Villanova and, and Bamalama. I had Villanova in this thing, and I had Alabama because I knew that Alabama, as hot as they were, were going to at least win a game. And then I was like, could they upset Villanova? And I couldn't bring myself to pick that. They did not. I have Villanova, and Villanova's in the Sweet 16. West Virginia, I picked them to beat Murray State. I know that there was some upset. There were some people choosing that upset. But... I picked them to take down Murray State, and I went back and forth with what I should do after that. Should I pick Wichita State or West Virginia to go to the Sweet 16? I picked Wichita and not West Virginia in this case, and West Virginia, who I thought had probably their best year under Bob Huggins in the last few seasons. They're going to go on and face Villanova. That could be an upset city game. That could be a really big game. That could be one of Villanova's best tests, if not their best test of the tournament. So I'm very excited about that. I had Wichita State. They lost to Marshall, who got their first win ever in the NCAA tournament. We are Marshall Thundering Herd. Congrats to you, and a God bless to Marshall in all your history and everything that you've been through. God bless them. Godspeed. They end up losing, though to West Virginia, but they did get their first victory, which was awesome. Florida and St. Bonnie's. They thought St. Bonnie's had another one in them, 
but I didn't have Florida going anywhere after that. So Texas Tech beats Stephen F. Austin, and Texas Tech moves on over Florida to face Purdue. Purdue beat Butler, who had taken down Arkansas, and Arkansas made it a game, but Butler came back. Butler only lost by three to the second-seeded Purdue as a 10-seed very close game. Got a great look at the end of the game. We're going to talk with the Butler players about that in just a moment. Great look at the final shot. Broke three, bro- broke free, 4-3, let it launch, and as long as this shot was, it looked like he was right on the money. Like he had practiced it over and over and over again. So tough break for the Butler Bulldogs, but an amazing game that I got to see in Detroit. Purdue moving on, and I had and I had Purdue going on to the Sweet 16. Kansas in the Midwest bracket. Kansas, like I said, they beat Penn, and then I had NC State over Seton Hall. This is a tough one for me. NC State, middle usually the middle of the road of the ACC lately. Seton Hall, the middle of the road of the Big East. This is a toss-up game for me. Seton Hall won this game, and Seton Hall played really well. They had a, they had a good, good, good. I mean, they played well against Kansas. They were hitting threes. They were making it happen. Hit a three at the buzzer, and they only lost by four. Kansas moves on. I had Kansas going to the Sweet 16. Clemson over New Mexico State. I had that. Auburn over Charleston. I had that too. But how about this? Clemson goes and plays Auburn in the round of 32, and Auburn forgot that they had a basketball game after that first win. They were down 75-43 to when I turned the game on. And I said to myself, the hell's going on Auburn's ranked higher they're a four seed Clemson's a five Auburn played the 413 matchup Auburn should be killing this team Auburn not killing this team but Auburn should be making this a game this should be 80 to 80 this should be overtime what is going on with the SEC the glorified SEC how are the how is the SEC not winning this isn't Clemson that team that scores in the 50s isn't Clemson that team that has no respect I am so proud of Brad Brownell I am I am so proud of Brad Brown now because this is a guy who people thought was going to lose his job. I thought they're going to fire this guy. After that, I was like, they're going to fire this guy because they're not going to give him time. And he's playing in the ACC with Duke and North Carolina when Syracuse is good, Louisville, Notre Dame, and so on and so forth. Clemson stays, of course, with Brad Brown now. They've had an awesome season. And they continue on to face Kansas. And Kansas, who lost to a couple unranked teams this year, Clemson was a ranked team. This is no cakewalk for Kansas. And Clemson's coming off a game where they just scored 84 points and won by 31. Clemson had a bigger victory than any one seed in the tournament. Clemson has the biggest margin of victory in the entire tournament so far. Just saying. Syracuse and Michigan State, I had them both going to the round of 32. I thought Michigan State might get them in this one. Thought it might be hard with Miles Bridges. I'm going to tell you the truth because you can look at my bracket. I'm not going to lie to anybody. Syracuse wins this game. and But see, this is the thing. This wasn't a Syracuse hater. This wasn't a, oh, whatever, Syracuse, you suck this year. It wasn't any of that stuff. That doesn't come out of my mouth. I don't talk like that about any teams. I don't disrespect any team like that. That's not my language. That's not how I live my life. I just had Syracuse in a place 
where I thought that they would win against Arizona State in their playing game. I thought that they would win over TCU. And then I was, you know, I thought Michigan State, I got to be honest, I thought Michigan State was going to do a little bit more. Michigan State had a terrible shooting night against Syracuse, and their defense is on point at the same time. When you're not shooting well and their defense is playing well, you're probably not going to win the game. And they weren't giving the ball to Miles Bridges inside, which was beyond me. My And then when they did, Syracuse swarmed him, which was a huge big ups to Syracuse. Because when I look at, I mean, seriously, Miles Bridges, man should have had 22 points in that game. He should have been dunking the ball like nobody's business, but they weren't letting it happen, and he wasn't doing it, and he was off from three. He had three points in 16 minutes of the first half. Shout out to Syracuse for that. They win, they move on, they advance in this tournament as an 11 seed. There's two 11 seeds in the Sweet 16. Loyola, Chicago, and Syracuse. Two 11 seeds, folks. And that is... Those are the those are the two. There's no other seed that was lower than that. There's no 14s. There's no 13s. The 11s are the biggest quote unquote surprises when it, when you look at seeds. But if you're watching these games, they weren't surprises. Rhode Island and Duke. I had them both winning, and I had Duke over Rhode Island, so no problem there. So my bracket that's correct. I have out of the South. Kentucky, I have them in the Sweet 16. Gonzaga and Michigan in the Sweet 16. And I have them playing each other in the Elite Eight with Gonzaga going to the Final Four. I have Duke in the Sweet 16 in the Midwest. Kansas in the Sweet 16 in the Midwest. And Villanova and Purdue out of the East in the Sweet 16. So I have Sweet 16 survivors all over here. And three of my four Final Four are still alive. It just so happens that I picked Virginia and so my final four champion, my final four team that was going to move on to the national championship in my mind, they, they, and you know what? It serves me right because I know that their offense can't always score points and I should ultimately pick Vill. If it was between the two, which I had it between Villanova and Virginia, I should have leaned a little bit more on Villanova or another team that score can score in the eighties. But you know, there's Syracuse that's doing what they do right now and they're making it interesting. So we have... A 9 seed, a 5, an 11, and a 7 coming out of the South. The highest that will get in is a 5. The lowest is an 11. We have a 9, a 4, a 3, and a 7 inside of the West. So the highest that will get in is a 9. We have an 11, a 2, a 5, and a 1 in the Midwest. So the 1 and 2 are still alive. And the 1 and 2 in the East are still alive with a 3 and a 5. So the East one looks probably the most normal. Having one, five, three, two as seeding. And in the Midwest, like I said, Syracuse is an 11, and they are a dangerous team. Do not count them out of this game by any stretch of the imagination. We'll talk about it at the end of today's show. And then, you know, Gonzaga and Michigan, I still have that Elite Eight set up. And I, I mean, Loyola, Chicago, or Nevada is going to be in the Elite Eight. It, it is, it's a given. There is no one or two seed that will come out of the South or the West, which guarantees that there will be a seed higher than a one or a two that goes to the championship game. How amazing is that? 
How amazing is that? There will be no ones, no twos. The highest is a three. The lowest is an 11. That is guaranteed to not only make the Final Four, but guaranteed to play in the championship game. Guaranteed to play in the championship game because they're on that one half of the bracket. And then on the right side of the bracket, the ones and the twos are still alive. So it's still possible that that side of the bracket will look normal. And we'll have to see what happens from here. But I will tell you that I said at the beginning of this year, like, I don't know, a few games in, that this was going to be the year of the upset before March Madness. I said this in general, before, going into the whole thing. I said this whole season, including March Madness, is going to be more of a year of the upset than anything else. Because teams were winning like Wofford, where you were scratching your head going, how the hell did this happen? How did these teams win this? Any team on any given night, any team on any given night, Making it happen. This tournament, your bracket may be busted, but folks, how do you not have fun with this? How do you not get excited with Kansas State? Kentucky has three teams swarming them, trying to make that a really interesting South bracket. Kansas State, who would have thunk? Loyola, Chicago, Nevada. Gonzaga's set up right now that they can make a pushback, and North Carolina is not going to meet them in the Elite Eight in a rematch of the championship game. Syracuse is in a bracket where they have faced every single team that remains. Every single team. Kansas, Clemson, Duke. Syracuse has played them all this year. They lost to Kansas. They lost to Duke. They beat Clemson. But this is the thing. Even though they're 1-2 and two against the teams that are in there, how about this? They have they don't just have film that they can watch on what Clemson does good or what Kansas does good or what right in the here and now because you don't want to look a game ahead, what Duke does well. You go back to your film. How did you lose? What did you do wrong? How can you be better? How can you be better? Syracuse has seen everybody that's left in the Midwest bracket. I find that interesting. And then in the East, Villanova and West Virginia. This is an old Big East rivalry. I'm ecstatic about that. I think that game could be 84-80, 81-80, something like that. And then Texas Tech and Purdue. Butler almost beat Purdue. Texas Tech's no cakewalk. And Texas A&M is going to make it hell for Michigan, who won by a point over Houston. I am more than ecstatic about what's coming up in this tournament. And you should be too. Because as a broadcaster and as a fan of college basketball, first and foremost, I've been loving this. Because nobody's safe. And when these teams start, because I don't like saying mid-major and low-major and upper-major. I don't like saying it because it's disrespectful. It's like saying upper-class, middle-class, lower-class. I don't like saying that. I think it's rude and I think it's disrespectful. So when we see Florida State, who's not the upper echelon, quote-unquote, of the ACC, and we see Texas A&M, who was eighth in the SEC, and we see Loyola Chicago 
who people probably can't even name the conference that Loyola Chicago comes out of, and that's the Missouri Valley. And then you have Nevada going up against Loyola Chicago from the Mountain West. Who would have thunk? I love it. And you have Kansas State from the Big 12 that I didn't hear anybody talking about this year. And then you have Clemson. Clemson, who advanced deep into the ACC tournament, is now in the final 16 of 351 schools in the NCAA tournament. And that team that they like to call Syracuse is causing some ruckus in this tournament this year. Make them a 10 seed two years ago, they go to the Final Four. Make them an 11 seed, and they're at least on to the Sweet 16. I love when people say, Oh, Syracuse, they don't deserve to be in. Oh, why did somebody... You know what? You sound like a friggin'... You sound like an ignoramus, is what you sound like. You sound like an idiot. They shouldn't have let them in. Why are they letting you St. Mary? You're not fighting for St. Mary's on any other day. St. Mary's. The same people that said Oklahoma should have made it at 18 and 13 and deserved their 10 seed are the same people that are saying Syracuse didn't deserve to play a game into the tournament. Syracuse doesn't deserve a play-in game, but Oklahoma with two less wins than Syracuse that had a terrible half of their season, if not more, deserves to get in because they have Trey Young. The same people that said, yay, Oklahoma, said, boo, Syracuse. That shows you that these people are not intelligent. They're not doing research. They just hate Syracuse and love whoever's not Syracuse. But to say, oh, Middle Tennessee and St. Mary's, oh, they deserve the spot that Syracuse had. No, they deserve the spot that Oklahoma had. I had Syracuse as a play-in game. I thought Syracuse did enough to make the tournament but had to earn a spot. They did enough but didn't do enough. They did enough but still needed to prove themselves. I had them exactly where the committee seated them. 11-seed play-in game in Dayton, Ohio. Middle Tennessee, St. Mary's, yeah, they deserve to get in. But the people that said St. Mary's, Middle Tennessee... You should be mad at Syracuse. Take your qualms up with Syracuse because they took this from you. They didn't take that from them. They didn't take that from them. I'm sorry. Did Oklahoma win a game in this year's tournament? Did I did I miss something? Can I could I go back and maybe check on it? Was was there a recalculation? Recalcul- was there a hanging chad somewhere? What 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 happened with Oklahoma? Oh, I'm. Oh, they lost to Rhode Island. Oh, Rhode Island from the Atlantic Ten. Rhode Island. Are you kidding me? I didn't. I didn't think that Oklahoma could lose to anybody, even though they lost half of their second part of their season. And I'm being sarcastic, folks. Please understand that. Ectocores just wrote Syracuse more than proved themselves. You're damn right they did. Two years ago, I'm at the NCAA tournament following Syracuse and, and, and everybody all the way through, and I'm on the Syracuse road and I'm every game. And it was hate, 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 all the way to the final four. 
And now it's hate and hate and hate and hate and hate all the way to the Sweet 16. The intelligence factor is not there. People show their true colors, right? You can't come on to a thing and be like, I love this team, so they're going to win every game. Because as a broadcaster, it's a cardinal sin to be partial. So it's a cardinal sin for me to come on here and say, I love this team, so they're never going to lose a game. That's my fan point of view. That is not my broadcasting point of view. And that does not make me a professional. It does the opposite. Same thing. I hate this team. I hate everything about them. They're going to lose every game because I hate them and they hate them and they suck. And I hate them and I'm mad at them because they didn't let me play on their team. And I'm just an upset little boy. That is partiality as well. So there you go. It's the partiality of it all. You can't be partial. I hate this team so they can't win. I love this team so they'll never lose. You can't be that way in broadcasting. Can't be that way in how you write. Can't be that way in, in how you approach your job. Comfort of your own home? Walking around the city, what t-shirt you want to wear? Do you, bro. Do you, sis. Do what you want to do. But when I turn this microphone on, I'm going to be as intelligent as I possibly can be. I'm going to have knowledge and have wisdom and do my research and trust in God and do the best I can do. I'm going to trust my gut and I'm going to know what the hell I'm talking about. And if I don't know what the hell I'm talking about, I'm going to look it up. Because I can promise you that if I'm talking about something in my mind that I don't feel comfortable about, I feel like I owe it to you to know what the hell I'm talking about. And people do not do that with Syracuse. For whatever reason, they don't do it. They don't deserve to be in. Oh, St. Mary's. Oh, these people are the same people last year that said St. Mary's comes from a conference that nobody cares about. These are the same people that said that Gonzaga didn't deserve a number one seed and they went to the national championship. These are the same people that said that Michigan, that Middle Tennessee State didn't beat Michigan State. Michigan State just didn't want to play the game or didn't care about the game, or that Tom Izzo should get a thank you card from Syracuse, because I'm sure that Tom Izzo went to the tournament and said, I would rather Syracuse win than us, so let's lose to Middle Tennessee State, bump ourselves out of the tournament, embarrass ourselves, make less money for the university, get less exposure, do less for our fans, because a team that we have no connection to should win, and even if we lose to Middle Tennessee State, there's no guarantee that Syracuse will beat them, but I'm going to set up this whole chain of events because it's a proven fact that we wanted to lose so Syracuse could win, so Syracuse can move on because we love Syracuse and we hate ourselves. What type of ignoramus, idiot, moron, ignorant, naive person would speak that type of language? The sad thing is, folks, a lot of people, a lot of people, a lot of talking heads spoke that language and they got embarrassed all the way to the Final Four. I got laughed at two years ago for picking Syracuse to be one of the best teams in the ACC. 770 people voting. I was the only person to put Syracuse atop the ACC. And at the end of the year, when they made it to the Final Four, I was laughing my head off. Nobody came to me to do a story after that. Nobody came to do a story about the tail between their legs and how they're embarrassed and they owe me an apology. Nobody in the media apologized to me. They used me as a story in the beginning, and when I was right at the end, nobody wanted to talk. Mum's the word. I did my research on Syracuse. I didn't pick them because I was born in Syracuse. 
I picked them because I saw something in Mike Benajay and Tyler Lydon and Malachi Richardson and Trevor Cooney and Daywan Coleman finally being healthy. I saw something in that team that impressed me. And it impressed me so much that I thought that they had something to give. Johnny says church. That's right, Johnny. Church Street. I'm bringing you the sermon this morning. The homily is on wake-up call. So it's beyond me. It's beyond me. And just go, just come on the air and say that you're wrong. The people that hate on Syracuse hate on Syracuse so much. And I have to talk about it this morning because somebody could say, well, Dan, you're on the other side then. You love Syracuse because you're having this conversation. That is not why I'm having this conversation. I'm having this conversation with you because I'm sick and tired of you having your airwaves blistered and bruised and just like pus coming out of the wound of people talking with no knowledge. People just spewing hatred. So I'm on the air to even out the playing field and say, how do you feel about Syracuse now? What do you think about Syracuse now? Do you feel good about your personal attacks on Syracuse? There's no way they can win a game because I hate them. I'm mad at them. It's this crazy ex-girlfriend thing. I've had people do this to me. I've had people in, in, in the media world try to discredit me because they personally didn't like me and they sounded like a jealous ex-girlfriend. And they went down in history as a jealous ex-girlfriend who is not dating me anymore. And you know what? The joke's on you, sweetheart, because if you're a jealous ex, I'm cool with that. I'm down with that because I love the life I got. And I'm not worried about any ex-girlfriend back in the history, nor should anybody be. But this is what these people sound like with Syracuse. They sound like jealous ex-girlfriends. Oh, she cheated on me. No, she didn't. Oh, she hurt me. She didn't. No, she didn't. She did her job. She did what she was supposed to do. Come on the air and say three words. I was wrong. That's it. I was wrong. Say it with me now. I was wrong. Bouncing ball. I was wrong. That's it. I was wrong. It's one thing to say, I don't think Syracuse will win this game because X, Y, and Z. It's another thing to act the way that some quote-unquote professional media people have acted. Syracuse doesn't deserve to be in this tournament. Syracuse is awful. Syracuse only won with 60 points scored. Syracuse only scored 57. What is this now? So now when Syracuse is winning, because you have no other argument to have, because they beat the team you said that they couldn't, now your argument is, yeah, but they're not winning by enough. They're not winning by enough. They're not scoring enough. And then what I heard in Detroit... Syracuse is too boring to watch. That's what I heard from people in the media. Syracuse is too boring. I couldn't stand watching that boring game. I just wanted to go home. People writing on the internet that Syracuse should never be allowed in the NCAA tournament ever again because they're boring. It's like, this is what you've resorted to now. You can't say anything about their level of play. You can't say anything negative about their defense. You can't say anything about the fact that they beat Michigan State. So now you've resorted to saying, well, I was bored watching the game. Well, I, I just, you know, I don't like the color orange. I, I don't I don't like Tyus Battle's haircut. I, I, I was mad that Tyus wasn't wearing the banana shoes and that he was wearing different sneakers. I, 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 I think, you know, Frank Howard, I, I don't like the name Frank because I dated a guy named Frank and I don't like people named Frank because Frank that I dated was a mean guy. 
Like, this is what professional, quote-unquote, people are saying now. I don't, I, I, it's grasping at straws. I don't, you got nothing. I was wrong. That's all you got to say. I was wrong. I don't have to choke on anything. I don't have to choke. And I told you the truth. I had Michigan State beating Syracuse. They have impressed me beyond where I had them. They went one step farther than I had them this year. But I had them getting in as an 11-seed playing game. I had them beating Arizona State, and I had them beating TCU. I was wrong by a game this year. These people were wrong by a mile, 10 miles, 50 miles, 157 miles. Whatever the miles are from here to Omaha, Nebraska, you were wrong. And your trail of tears is laughable at this point because it's become so personal that it's like every time Syracuse wins, you get a stab in your side. It's like every time it's it's like some crazy saw movie that that these people are their eyelids are held open and they have to watch Syracuse. And when Syracuse wins, they get a little jab in the side, a little hit in the rib. Stop being personal when Gonzaga. Okay, I'll tell you this right now in my bracket. When Loyola Chicago won an extra game, the game over Tennessee, I didn't go out and go, oh, Loyola Chicago, oh, they just, they got an old lady behind them, and I don't believe in God, and oh, blah, I didn't do any of that stuff. When Virginia lost and ruined my entire road to the national championship, you know what I did? I sent a tweet out to UMBC. I said, congratulations. I made an entire I went in and, and I edited something and made them an image of their logo and said, UMBC retrieves first 16 seed win and then put one, one, one and 135 for the record of 16 seeds. The way that I handled my bracket getting busted was congratulating the team that busted my bracket, showing respect where respect is damn due. So I'm not sitting here this morning going, well, I had West Virginia wrong. I had Texas Tech wrong. I had Clemson wrong. I had this wrong. I'm not sitting here complaining about anybody. I went through every single matchup, every single round, and respected everybody. I respect them all. I, at this point, hope my bracket blows up even more because it'll make the tournament more exciting. But Loyola Chicago's an 11 seed, and they're a miracle Cinderella story. Syracuse is an 11 seed, and people are acting like they're having a kidney removed today. There's two 11 seeds that are being treated completely different in our society. And newsflash, 99% of the people that are cheering, quote-unquote cheering, for Loyola Chicago didn't even know Loyola Chicago had a D1 basketball program before the tournament started. So you hate on Syracuse for being an 11 playing game. You hate on it, but you, don't, but you love Loyola Chicago. Oh, Dan. Loyola Chicago's a... Oh, huh. They're a great story, Dan. Because if they make it, you know, we could do, we can, we can utilize this old woman and we can, you know, we can use her to our advantage and we could do this and this and that and the other thing. Have a fun day. Have a great time. And can we please stop with showing kids crying when their team loses? Can we stop doing that? Because they become memes. We're we're literally we as when we as a society have resorted to making fun of children who are sad. It's like the day before the apocalypse. If we as a society of grown people are 
hoping and wishing to see a meme of a crying child that we can use to make fun of that kid and make fun of other things from now until eternity on Twitter. We have lost complete control of everything in life that matters, and we should be ashamed of everything that we are. I'm not going to lie to you. That's the truth. And by the way, shout out to the Buffalo women's team that's an 11 seed that continues to move on in the women's bracket. The Buffalo Bulls winning in the men's bracket and the women's bracket this season. Shout out to both of them. Johnny B said, kiss me, fat boy, which is one of the things that I like to utilize as a little joke hotkey from the original It. Then he put, raise your hand if you were wrong. Gotcha, because I say that all the time. I tell people to raise their hands, and I'm very confident that you do, but I can't see it. He said, haters are going to hate. I love how everyone literally can choke on their words now, is what Ectocores had to say. It's right. It's right. Choking on your words. Man, it's got to be hard to stomach that. The fact is, it's like word diarrhea right now because they can't stop. Like once they decided they hated Syracuse and they told the world they hated Syracuse, they just can't stop hating Syracuse. You apologize and say, I was wrong and I, I used my professional platform to make a personal attack and I shouldn't have done that. People might have some respect for you after that. I used my professional platform to make a personal attack and I'm sorry. That's all they had to say. But instead it was like, okay, well, I'm wrong, and then I was wrong, and then I was wrong. They've won three games. Now they're in the Sweet 16. So what can I do right now but continue to tell people that I hate them? I hate them so much. Oh, my God. I hate – and why? Why do you hate Syracuse? What's your problem with Syracuse? What did Syracuse do to you? What did they do to you? And you need to separate that. Okay. Central New York wants to win this game. Central New York wants to win this game against Duke. But the people that I have spoken to since the moment I got home, face-to-face, I can tell you that multiple people have come to me and said, Dan, do you believe that we can actually do it? Do you believe? I'm scared of Duke. I do, I, I'm nervous about this Duke game. Oh, Duke's got a lot of talent. Oh, they beat him before. Syracuse fans, as much as they love this team, they're going, we know this is going to be a good game. We respect our opponent. And Syracuse fans can't stand Duke. They have a shirt that says, beat Duke. They don't have shirts for that for every team. But beat Duke is a very popular shirt. It's a rivalry that was an immediate creation when they joined the ACC. And as much as Syracuse fans loathe Duke... They're respecting them in this game. So if fans can do that, then how can people in the professional ranks continue to spew hatred at Syracuse without taking a step back and going, you know what? I was wrong. I was wrong. I stood up there in the press area in Detroit on Sunday laughing. Because I know these young men and I'm proud of them because they have done more, more than, more than, more than what people expect them to do. And I was laughing because they looked in the face of hatred. They looked in the face of people that had no respect for them and they laughed. So I laughed. 
We'll take a step aside here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. We'll come back in just a moment. You'll hear from the Butler Bulldogs, and then you'll hear from your Syracuse Orange very shortly. This is a Wake Up Call Fast Break. Hey, Wake Up Call listeners, this is Tom Taylor, owner of Sammy Malone's, located at 2 Oswego Street in Baldwinsville, New York, overlooking the beautiful Seneca River. We proudly open our doors to you seven days a week, beginning at 11 a.m. daily, with free parking. Whether it's game day, after work drinks, or a meal with family and friends, we are honored that you come visit us. Call 315-635-5407 for parties and catering. I'll see you at Sammy Malone's, home of the best sandwich in Beeville. Hi, this is Domenico Vitali, owner of Giovanni's Formalware, where you look great and feel even better with our renowned tailoring and alteration services on any suit or any tuxedo from anywhere. Call 315-455-8729. That's 315-455-8729. Stop in locally on Route 11 in North Syracuse next to the Ponderosa Plaza where you can choose your style, get fitted, and tailored, all at Giovanni's Formal Wear. I'm George Townsend of Honda City with some good advice from buying a new car. The true cost of owning a new car is determined by the appraised value when you trade it. No vehicle appraises higher than a Honda. Next, look for low APRs and deep discounts. You also want low maintenance costs and great fuel economy. That's why my advice to you is to buy a new Honda. Looking pre-owned, visit our Honda Certified Used Car Center. Honda City, 7140 Henry Clay Boulevard, Liverpool, or hondacity-cny.com. For all of us that have always wanted our favorite restaurant to come to us, it's now a reality in Central New York with It's a Utica Thing, with Utica Pizza Company bringing their wonderful recipes that they've handed down through generations to you, to your event, to your business, to your home. It's a Utica Thing, proudly bringing Utica Pizza Company on wheels to your location. Call 315-738-8946. That's 315-738-8946 to bring Utica Pizza Company to your doorstep with It's a Utica Thing. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. Proud to be here with you. Back in familiar digs, folks, I want to thank the city of Brooklyn, New York. I want to thank, or whatever, city, suburb, borough, Borough of Brooklyn, whatever. I want to thank Brooklyn, New York for all their love and support. I want to thank Dayton, Ohio. I, I just I just love Brooklyn. How about that? I love Brooklyn. Because New York City is like, like a special rule. It's like everything on the island. It's like a borough, and then it's a this, and then it's a that. But shout out to Brooklyn. Thank you to Brooklyn for a week of shows. It was an absolute honor to broadcast Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora live from Brooklyn for the second year in a row. I want to thank the people of Dayton, Ohio, and all the nice people I got to meet and being able to broadcast my show for the first time ever from Dayton, Ohio, and then from first to first broadcast for the first time ever from Detroit, Michigan. So shout out to Dayton, shout out to Detroit. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, and it just means a lot to me. So big thank you for that. 
Speaking of Detroit, I had the opportunity to speak with the Butler Bulldogs, a team that I respected for a very long time here in history, as I said earlier on in the show. And it's now time for me to get into that conversation with the Butler Bulldogs. So I have Paul Jorgensen on the show, as well as Sean McDermott coming up, Henry Badley, and we have Aaron Thompson as well. So I'm going to uh, have them all here for you right now and one-on-one opportunities following their loss by three points at the buzzer as they came back against Purdue. Here's what Aaron Thompson had to say about Kamar Baldwin's last second heave that looked like it was a good look toward the basket. Uh, yeah, Kamar taking that shot. Uh, seven days out the week, we living with it. So uh, whatever whatever shot Kamar takes, we, we're confident he's making. He's made shots like that before, practicing the game. So, I mean, uh, we're, we're living with it. whatever decision he makes at the end of the game because we know he's, he's clutch. That's what he does. So living with it. You guys surged toward the end but just couldn't get over the hump. Just bring me into the last few minutes of the game. Uh, they, they got seniors. They they hit shots. They they went got rebounds. Um, uh, we, we fought to the end. I'm proud of the guys on the team. We fought until uh, all three zeros on the clock. So I'm proud of them. Proud yeah. of our guys. So. As far as Keelan, just what you could say about 27 points in the last game, 29, and this one did everything he could mm-hmm. to try and bring that one about. Um, Keelan, uh, can't say enough about Keelan. Um, he just he carried us this whole season pretty much. When we were down, he picked us up energy wise. I watched Keelan play before I got here. He completely different player. His whole attitude, his whole demeanor towards the game, uh, mindset going into the game is completely different. Uh, I'm proud of him the way he's grown. Um, he did big things for us this season. That's the reason why we're here today. So that coming from Aaron Thompson of the Butler Bulldogs. Moving on into my one-on-one conversation with Sean McDermott. Couldn't ask for a better shot than the shot that Kamar Baldwin took. Here's what he had to say about that, if he would agree with that. No, it was a, it was a great shot for us. Uh, obviously, in that in that moment, you want either Kamar or Keelan taking the shot, and Kamar got it, and it was a good look, wide open. Um, it, it, was, it was deep, um, looked good, so yeah, there's nobody else who'd rather have taken that shot. And just to, to speak a little bit deeper on that, why there's so much faith and so much trust in Kamar to say something like that, that you would rather have nobody else take the shot because your teammates have echoed that as well. He's just proven himself in his two years here. To, he's, he makes huge shots for us, whether it's a game winner against Northwestern or hitting shots late in game. Um, he, he, he's just made big shot after big shot for us. When you look at the run that you guys made in the last couple minutes there, just what you could say about, you know, you brought it to within – one possession. It was close. You had opportunities. I mean, you you fought hard to get back in this game after being down by a good amount in the second half. Yeah, I think we were down ten um, pretty late in the game, but that's something we've done all year is just fight. And, uh, just really proud of the guys for fight fighting the way we did um, and, and making it a three point game. Um, so I think it's just a testament to how hard we fought all year. Keelan, just what you can say about what he's done this season and here in Detroit had 27 points, backed it up with 29 in this game. Yeah, I mean, this this is something we've come to expect from Keelan, just the the great player he is. Um, These 27, 29, 30-point games um, are are Keelan Martin. It just just describes him, but he does so much more for our team, Um, whether it's rebounding, getting stops on defense, um, steals, um, great passes. So we'll definitely miss that. But... uh, we're very thankful for everything he gave us. Even though the road, ed- road ends here for Butler, just what you can say about your pride in this team and about that motto that you wear on your chest, gritty, not pretty. 
yeah, I mean, I think the pride we have in this program, it's just, it speaks for itself. Um, that's, that's part of it, going out there and fighting like we did in those pretty, I mean, we fought all game, but just bringing it back to that one possession game. Um, we, we do try to make it gritty, not pretty, and uh, I, I think we do a good job of that, and that's something we really value at Butler. Back here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, that's Sean McDermott of the Butler Bulldogs that I had an opportunity to speak with in the locker room this past weekend following their three-point loss at the buzzer to the Purdue Boilermakers, who are moving on into the Sweet 16. Next up from the Butler Bulldogs of the Big East is Paul Jorgensen about the Kamar shot as well. Going around just speaking with the team about Kamar Baldwin, about his shot, about what he's meant to the team. It's what Paul had to say about the shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, we got a good look. Uh, we thought it was down. Um, yeah, like not the result we want, but if that's the final shot, we'll, we'll take it every day. When you look at a play like that, I mean, 1.8 seconds left, they missed the front end of a one on one and one. Keelan gets the rebound. You guys get the timeout. You got 1.8 seconds to go. I mean, it, it was set up for you guys at that point. Yeah, um, I thought we had some magic in this. Um, uh, I, I was liking our, our chances with that happening, uh, but sometimes the ball doesn't bounce your way. So what you can say this season about, you know, even though Kamar, Kamar doesn't make that shot, just what he's been meant to this team, what he's been all the way through this tournament and even beforehand? I mean, we wouldn't be here without him. Uh, we wouldn't be here without every one of our guys on our team, so everyone has an important role, and obviously Kamar's role is, uh, you know, super important, and he's let us. You were part of the run late for the team in that comeback try, just what you can say about those last few minutes. Um, just trying to do whatever to help us win. Uh, it was desperation mode, so you know whatever was was there to you know, help us. I was just trying to do. And as far as Keelan, just what you could say, he's meant to the team almost 30 points in both yeah. of the games here in Detroit. I mean, <clears throat> Keelan's um, a great person, you know, off the court. He's just a special young man, and uh, just being able to play with him for one year has been an honor. He's carried us all year long. You know, we wouldn't be here without him, um, and he's been our senior leader. Coming once again from Paul Jorgensen of the Butler Bulldogs. Up next, and the final conversation with Butler is mine with Henry Badley about Kamar's shot at the end of the game. Oh uh, yeah, he was able to get open last 1.8 seconds. It was a good shot. He just missed it. Your teammates have said that they'd rather have nobody else take that shot than Kamar. Just what you can say to that, if you would echo those sentiments as well. Yeah, he's a great guy. He's done that the last two years. He's been here, and uh, we we have, uh, we all have confidence in him to shoot that shot. He shot it. Isn't going. It seems to be the Butler way that there's always a chance at the end of the game. Sometimes it falls, sometimes it doesn't. Just what you can say about. It. Obviously, you don't like the way that this ended, but Butler seems to be that team that's always in it, no matter what happens during the game. Oh yeah, we're always going to be in it because we love to fight. And that's what we do, and that's what the past teams did, and that's what uh, we learned from them. So we're going, we're going to continue to fight, whether who's out there, whether we're playing the best team in the country or not. We're just going to go out there and fight. Gritty, not pretty. Just to go a little bit deeper into that model. Uh, just like doing all the little things, like boxing out, like not doing things that like that you're shying away from. I want to say like uh, like boxing out, like I said before, um, getting on, be the first one to the floor, get 50-50 balls, all that. In your opinion, what has made you know from coaches to coach? I mean, different coaches from Brad Stevens on to where you are right now with with Laval to different players, different personnel that's here with the program. Once Butler started to be a factor in the NCAA tournament, it's never gone away. Even though coaches have changed and players have changed, why do you think that is? Uh, because we're all the same. Uh, we're all the same people. They, they recruit the great guys. They know from the beginning who they're going to go, uh, go go out and recruit through whoever uh, who's ever talking about them. And they got a great coaching staff. Coach Val, he played here. 
so they know him. He's an alumni, and then uh, go down the line. When you look around the room, even though this is the end of the road, just what you can say about your pride in this team and in the guys that you have. Uh, we're gonna be. Uh, we're a great team. Like, um, I don't. I don't know. I'm just worried about it today since we lost. I don't know. Keelan, just what you can say about what he's done. 27 points, backed it up with 29. Just how well he did in the tournament here, and just what he's been to you all season. Yeah, he fought the whole year. He never. He was that guy. He was our leader. Uh, him and Cat, they showed great leadership today and throughout the whole season. We looked up to those guys. And after today, I mean, it hurts us. I mean, we got to keep our heads up. They uh, they play hard the whole season for us, and we uh, we love them for that. The name Lees and Staggerwald has become synonymous with Central New York over the years. And that's why Wake Up Call with Dan Tork. That coming once again from Henry Badley of the Butler Bulldogs. Henry Badley of Butler and the team unfortunately did not get to do what they wanted to do, which as which was obviously to move on to the Sweet 16 and have another crack at an opportunity of getting back to a national championship game, which they've gotten to in back-to-back years they had done not too long ago, went to back-to-back championship games inside of the NCAA Division I men's basketball tournament. So big shout-out to them for the work that they put forward with that and now it is time to get into Syracuse and speak on this Syracuse game and to speak with the Syracuse players. I had the opportunity to be in the locker room of celebration with Syracuse in Detroit and have the opportunity of speaking with these gentlemen about this team, about the game, about moving forward, and so much more. And so I am more than happy to share with you what they had to say to me about all of that. Before we go there, though, I want to get back into the game for those of you that might have missed it or for those that just want to reminisce about it. Syracuse, I wrote a story, and I definitely want you to go and read this story. You should definitely give it a shout-out, given an opportunity here. Thank you to so many of you that read it. I couldn't think of a better title. And to be honest with you, I wrote the title at halftime because I just had a feeling. Because at halftime, you know, without that crazy three – Syracuse, I mean, even still, Syracuse 25 to 22, they're down against Michigan State and 25 to 22 at half. You know, that that amounts to in the second half, if it's the same, it's like 40 or 50 points being scored. That's it in total because you had another 22 and, and maybe a few more, which which is what it was. So Syracuse was having Michigan State play their game in the first half. And so I felt like Syracuse had a chance in the second half. And I wrote this this story, and I want to read it to you this morning. And you can feel free to go back and read it, but I want to read this to you. Syracuse doesn't deserve it, huh? That's the, that's the title of the story. Syracuse doesn't deserve it, huh? Here we go. With a nice picture of Tyus Battle. Two years ago, the Syracuse Orange and Michigan State Spartans could have met in the round of 32. But the then second-seeded Spartans fell to the 15th-seeded Blue Raiders in Middle Tennessee before that could happen. Here in Detroit, Michigan, the opportunity did present itself for the now 11th-seeded Orange to take on the third-seeded Spartans in the round of 32 inside of the Midwest portion of the NCAA Division I Men's Basketball Tournament. Michigan State opened the stat books first with two free throws from sophomore forward Nick Ward, followed by a three by sophomore guard Joshua Langford to get the Spartans out to an early 5 to nothing lead. 
Syracuse true freshman forward Marek Dolajai started attacking early, driving to the rim, which did not fall, but it was still good to see him do it, and then taking a jumper that did, giving the Orange their first points of the game, down 5-2. Fellow true freshman O'Shea Brissett went to the rim and attacked for his own first two points of the game, getting Syracuse within one possession. 7-4 in the first four minutes of regulation. A steal and lay-in by junior point guard Frank Howard would be followed by Dolajai in the lane for two of his own to give the Orange their first lead of the game of the contest at 8-7. Brissett went inside the arc and made his first jumper after missing two three-point attempts, stretching Syracuse out to a three-point lead 10-7. The Orange would allow three straight offensive rebounds and one trip down the floor for the Spartans, which eventually ended in a three-pointer by sophomore guard Cassius Winston to give Syrac- to give the lead back to the Spartans at 12-10. Howard attacked the basket inside nine minutes left in the half and made a tough shot off the glass with a hand in his face and would make the following free throw to put the lead back in the hands of the Orange 14-12. Winston would bring the lead back to Michigan State with a three and then beat the shot clock with an assist to Ward for a dunk that gave the Spartans a 17-14 advantage. With 4.37 to play, junior center Pascal Chuku had picked up his third foul of the game. Howard brought the game back within three of, off of a jumper that answered sophomore guard forward Miles Bridges' first field goal of the game, placing Syracuse behind 20-17. to 17. So Howard answering Bridges, three-point game, still in Michigan State's lead. He would connect at the charity stripe, speaking of Howard, after to bring the Orange within one at 20-19, to 19, and Brissett would make his first deep shot of the game, a three that would tie it at 22 with about a minute before the half. Junior guard Matt McQuaid would get his chance before half, and Moyer would block his try. But then in a strange turn of events, McQuaid caught the ball and pushed it back toward the basket. It hit the backboard and rolled in as the Spartans, as a result, broke the tie at half and went up 25-22. to 22. In total, there were five lead changes in the first half. The Orange got out of the half, down three on a miraculous shot by Michigan State. Despite the Spartans doubling their rebounding output of Syracuse with 24 to 24 rebounds to Syracuse's 12, Michigan State owned the offensive glass in the first half with 11 offensive rebounds to Syracuse's one in the first half. Winston opened up the second half with a three-pointer, his first, or pardon me, his third three-pointer of the game, and Brissett fouled with making all three of his free throws after getting fouled beyond the arc. Sophomore shooting guard Tyus Battle's first field goal of the game would come inside 18 minutes remaining in the second half, getting Syracuse within three, 30-27. Howard and Battle would connect on baseline jumpers with Battle being fouled as well and making the subsequent free throw to bring the Orange within three once again, this time 35-32. to But Bridges, who was held to just three points in 16 minutes of the first half, a huge win for Syracuse, would answer with a make from beyond the arc to get the Spartans back out to a two-possession lead, 38-32, in front of a hometown crowd, 87 miles away from Michigan State University. It was more than a Michigan State home game. From there, though, Syracuse would get out to an 8-0 run, gaining on Michigan State down 38-37. As far as fouls go, the Orange, with 11.56 to play, had three players with three or more fouls. Chuku with four, Dolajai with three, and true freshman center, Brahma Sidibe with three. Ward would end the offensive run by the Orange with a make at the rim, but Howard would reply with a tough make inside the arc himself at the other end, getting Syracuse back within one at 40-39. to Inside nine minutes to play, Syracuse had four players with three fouls or more, Chuku and Sidibe now with four, followed by Dolajai and now Howard with three. 
Bridges would slam the ball so hard at the 728 mark that he would fall, but raise Michigan State to a 44 to 39 lead. Coming out of the following break in the action, Battle connected on a jumper and his following free throw to get within two, 44-42. Howard, however, would commit back-to-back fouls in a strange turn of events. Again, another strange turn. And just like that, with 6.39 to go, he had fouled out of the game. Speaking of Frank Howard, he finished with 13 points on 5-for-10 shooting, two rebounds, one assist, one turnover, one steal, and he's the only point guard on the team, with the backup being Howard Washington Jr., who barely played, and then got hurt and is out for the rest of the season. Battle would take the ball up the floor and get the Orange within three, 48-45 at the charity stripe with 5.26 to go, and Brissett took the ball down the lane for a hard-fought two points to bring the game to 44 or 48-47 Spartans. Dolajai would fight hard underneath the Michigan State basket to gain a rebound and got fouled, making both free throws to give Syracuse a 49-48 lead, their first lead of the second half. Freshman forward Xavier Tillman would make one of two at the line to bring the Spartans to down one, 50-49, close after. Battle would come down and nail a jumper inside a minute to give the Orange a 52-49 lead with 45.4 to go. Brissett fouled McQuaid before Michigan State could attempt a three, which I don't understand why other teams don't do that. And McQuaid made both of his one-and-one situation, bringing the game to 52-51 Syracuse. Then Brissett threw the long ball to battle on a huge trusting factor to Tyus Battle, who chased it down, got under it, and was able to keep himself from going out of bounds as he contacted the ball, held on to the ball, and then got some contact while he was reaching out for it, trying to stay in. 6.1 seconds remaining. He goes to the line with the crowd against him. Goes 2-for-2, 54-51, Syracuse lead. Sophomore guard Braden Bayer followed by fouling Winston before he could attempt a three. Braden Bayer was not noticed out there in the best of senses because he did not give up big plays. He did not give up shots to the basket. He didn't give up the baseline and give up easy dunks and this, that, and the other. A former walk-on who was granted a scholarship when Geno Thorpe decided to leave the team in the middle of the season. This man, Braden Bayer, a walk-on who gets a scholarship, moves forward into this game, the biggest game that Syracuse has played all season, one-and-done opportunity, the huge, I mean, this is this survive-in-advance NCAA tournament. You couldn't write a better story. You really couldn't. A walk-on, given a scholarship, goes out in this game when the point guard goes out for Syracuse and the Orange don't have a deep bench and Braden Bayer does not do anything to make you notice him in the game in the sense of giving up any big-time plays. He didn't look like a walk-on. He didn't look like somebody who hasn't been playing all season. He went out there and did what he needed to do, and he made the smart foul on Winston before Winston could attempt a three. And Winston would make both of his free throws, 54-53 Orange with 3.7 seconds to go. Syracuse just got the ball in before a five-second violation, and Tillman fouled Chuku, fouling out of the game and putting Chuku on the line with 2.4 seconds on the game clock. Chuku, being seven foot two, most people expect him to miss his free throws. He's done anything but that, especially late in games. Lately, he went one for two at the line to raise the Orange to a 55-53 advantage. A last-second heave by the Spartans would fall as the would not fall as the Orange improved to 23 and 13 on the season and have gained their place in the Sweet 16. 
Even more impressive is that Syracuse won this game having to play the last six minutes and change without their point guard. And we look at what Syracuse did down the stretch without Frank Howard. Tyus Battle would lead the way for the Orange after being very quiet in the first half. He'd end the game with 17. Brissett would have 15 after starting off with an off-shooting night. Howard would have 13. Winston led all Spartan scores with 15, followed by Bridges with 11 and Ward with 10. But Syracuse didn't deserve to even be in the NCAA tournament. Isn't that what people were saying? The pundits? The talking heads, the quote-unquote gurus of basketball? Huh. (laughs) Interesting. Keep talking, though. The Orange seem to like that. They just let it roll off their shoulders as they keep rolling in the tournament. Rolling all the way to the Sweet 16 matchup that they have coming up with the Duke Blue Devils, set for Omaha, Nebraska. And that game inside of the Sweet 16 set for Omaha, Nebraska, Will be happening, folks, coming up this Friday, March 23rd, 9.37 p.m. Eastern Time. Are you not ready for this? (laughs) We'll take a step aside. They didn't deserve to make it, huh? That's funny. I just find that interesting. We'll take a step aside here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, and we will come back with the Syracuse Orange men's basketball team speaking with me here on the show in one-on-one conversations. This is a wake-up call fast break. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York is located on 3680 Milton Avenue in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is proud to be both. It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base for your sports bar and restaurant needs, games for the kids, indoor and outdoor activities, and enough things on the menu to come back every single week and get to try something new. They're open Sundays from noon to 8 p.m., Monday through Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to midnight. For reservations and party information, call 315-487-2222 for the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant. This is Kira from Looking Glass Events, where we're always giving you a reason to celebrate. Whether you have a small business, large business, personal event, or a wedding, we are available to plan and coordinate your dream event to life. Every detail, every step, Looking Glass Events is working with you all the way. Call us at 315-702-4653. That's 315-702-4653. Or contact us through our website, lgweddingsandevents.com. Looking Glass Events giving you a reason to celebrate. 
The Pen and Trophy Center on 111 East Willow Street in Syracuse, New York, has been making memories for Central New York for over 60 years. It has the trophies for your teams, and when you walk in there, it's so much more than just that. When you walk into the Pen and Trophy Center, you are immersed in the reality that anything can be customized, anything can be engraved, whether it's for your anniversary, your wedding, your bar mitzvah, your birthday party, whatever you want to do with that memory, that watch from grandpa, or that bracelet from mom, or that wedding ring that's been passed down through your family. If you want to get something engraved with a memory to last a lifetime, the Penn and Trophy Center, 111 East Willow Street in Syracuse, New York, where memories are made and where memories last a lifetime. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Proud to be here with you every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. And at this part of the morning menu, as we're back in studios in Syracuse, New York, we've only been here, what, this is the second time in two weeks that we've been in the studios. We've been out in Dayton, Ohio. We've been out in Detroit, Michigan, and we've been in Brooklyn, New York, doing the show live on location from each of those places. And thank you to the hospitality of all three cities that we had a ton of fun in. With that being said, we are back here, and it is now time to hear from the Syracuse Orange in my one-on-one conversations with Syracuse following their opportunity to move on to the Sweet 16 and taking that opportunity and handling Michigan State. Here's what Pascal Chuku had to say to me. Uh, we always joke around about him making free throws. It's kind of a, a running joke between him and I of the last three games at least. And I went up to him and I was like, I told you. I told you about making free. What is this? You know, he's seven foot two. You're still making them. The hell's going on? And so this is what he had to say about making his, his free throw down the stretch. Um, I mean, <laughs> obviously it's not something new. Um, you know, I just went there. You know, they were making changes. I just took my time, to relax, focus on my routine, and you know, try and stay as calm as possible and knock them down. When you look at the outside voices, you know, some people that were saying this team didn't deserve to get in the tournament and deserve an opportunity, complaining about you only score 57 points to win or 60 points to win. When you hear all that on the outside, does that bring motivation and a chip on your shoulder? Uh, I mean, it definitely does, but again, it's not up to them. You know, if I think if it's up to a lot of people, we wouldn't be here. But, you know, uh, I try to not pay too much attention to, you know, what a lot of people are saying and just focus on what we have to do as a team. You don't have a lot of players on, on the squad as is as far as depth-wise, and there's yeah. foul trouble with yourself, with Marek, with yeah. Barama, and with Frank Howard. Just what you can say about still going out there and giving everything you got despite the foul trouble. I mean, there is nothing else we can do I get, I except give you 100%, you know, foul trouble or no foul trouble. But, you know, that says a lot about his team because, you know, when Frank fouled out, the, um, the next man stepped up, Braden, who hasn't played all year, and he, um, he was great on defense. And you know, made a couple offensive play. You know, it's all about you know, if it's your turn, you just step up and try and make the right play. To see this team move on and to be the guy that made the final point in this game, just what that means to you? Um, I mean, it does mean a lot, you know. But again, it's a it's far shot. So um, like when I stepped up there, and I was just thinking we we're up one. You know, if I made those, if I made if I make both, we gotta be up three. But I mean, I made the first one just to 
silly, but like the second one, I didn't really care much about because I didn't. I saw like you know they didn't have much time. I didn't want to give them like time to set up and stuff like that. So like I didn't try to miss it. I didn't try to make it. Either. I just just shot it. Just if it goes in, it goes in. But um, that's just my mindset um, towards that second one. But to make the last shot, I mean, I think make it or miss it. I think we've gotten the win anyway. This team this season, out of all seven of you guys that play, there's only one guy that had any experience of the NCAA tournament, and that's Frank Howard. Yeah. Just what you can say about how six out of seven of you guys have never experienced this before, yet you're playing like you have. Um, I mean, it's basketball, like, you know, whatever the title is, you know, a lot of us have been playing basketball for, for a while. So, you know, we just go out there, you know, just see us another game, and that's what we've been doing. The coach always tells us, you know, he's just another game, another opponent, you know, just go out there and play and do what you've been doing all year. That's something we've been doing all year. So we just go out there. No matter who we play, we just try to play. As far as Frank Howard going out with 616 remaining, just what you can say about if you guys felt like you corralled together even more so to fight for him? Um, I mean, definitely I wasn't out there. I really wanted to be, but, you know, when guys were playing, you can feel that, you know, that everybody was going even 110% just because, you know, because if we lose one person, that doesn't mean our team is going to crumble. Other guys are going to step up in his place and make plays, and that's what we really try to prove. You know, he went. He fouled out and went out, but you know, the next man stepped up and you know, filled the role. That coming from Pascal Chuku once again in our one on one conversation following the team's win in the sweet in the round of 32 to get to the Sweet 16 over Michigan State. Next up is fellow center Barama Sidibe on the team fouls, you know, team, the team being in foul trouble. But staying physical, staying active, especially for him, he had four fouls in the game and continued to stay physical. This is what he had to say about that. Uh, I really don't, usually I really don't care if I get a foul trouble. I know there were like a couple of fouls, I really didn't do anything. But the ref called it, so I got to think it's a foul. But I, whenever I get a foul trouble, I keep playing. And that's how I was teaching the high school. When you get a foul trouble, don't try to block the shot anymore. Just keep your hands up. So You're a true freshman, yet you don't play that way as far as getting under the basket in these big-time games. Just what you can say about you know being comfortable on this team and going after everything. I mean, I really don't mind. I'm very comfortable whenever I get the ball underneath or whenever I get it. But I, I usually looking for them when they when they drive and when they dump into me, I'm gonna do what I can. And they were tough down low, but I had to deal with you so Playing the last six minutes and 16 seconds without Frank Howard, just what it means for you guys to come together and win it for uh, him as well. It kind of motivate me if you see one of your best players and the captain going down like that, getting foul trouble. So it kind of motivate me to play hard whenever I have. I have to give it up. So. As far as just what you can say about you and Pascal underneath, just how you guys have grown as players and as centers on this team. I think me and Pascal, we're doing a great job. We know we don't get a lot of touches of the ball because like we have a lot of a lot of guards that they shoot a shooters and they shoot everything. So we just play defense sometimes and try not looking for offensive ball and get some put back in. Some people said that you guys didn't deserve to be here, you guys didn't care. So you could say about that. People can say whatever they want. Now what matter? We don't we, we, we didn't deserve to be here but now we're three and all so we keep playing. People can talk as long as they want. Coming once again from Barama Sidibe of the Syracuse Orange in our one-on-one conversations that I had with the team in the locker room as the team is moving on to the Sweet 16. And up next is Marek Dolajai about attacking more and more and feeling more comfortable on the offensive side of the ball.
I feel more comfortable. Like I feel more comfortable like uh, last eight games after Boston College. I know I can uh, make shots. Teammates uh, try to find me to open shot, and I'm trying to make the basket. Just what you can say about when Frank goes out of the game. He's your point guard. Six sixteen left in the game. Just if you feel like the team came together even more so after that. We can really. We tried to stop them in the defense. Uh, we're so close. We tried to run, and uh, Braden played unbelievable in defense. They fight. He fight. He tried uh, to rebound. He played really good. Just what you can say about Braden. He was a walk-on player that was granted a scholarship, and obviously he had to come in when Frank went out. Uh, just I don't know. He played really good today, and he, he always fighting in the practice. He always uh, doing this job. And he played really good today. This is your first experience of the NCAA tournament, and you're going to the Sweet 16. Just what you could say about your emotions right now and, and how excited you are to move forward. I'm so happy we're going uh, to Sweet 16, and I hope we will be there a long time. And, and as far as on this team, nobody had had experience at the tournament except for Frank Howard. Just what that means to you that six out of seven of you guys that play have never even been in the tournament before. We're a young team, but we try and fight uh, 40 minutes every game, and we, our defense is really good. People thought, some people thought, that you didn't deserve a shot to even get in the tournament. Does it feel good not only to win, but to win knowing that there was that being said? We feel really good. Like They didn't trust me. People didn't trust us. Our kids fans didn't trust us. Uh, but we are so proud of what we're doing, and we're going for it. That comment once again from Marek Dolajai of the Syracuse Orange in our one-on-one conversations. You're listening to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT, the live feed, every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern time typically. And with the NCAA tournament, we've had to change the schedule a little bit due to travel and whatnot, and we've been able to do live shows from Detroit, Michigan, as well as Dayton, Ohio, and we'll be live from Omaha, Nebraska, God willing, coming up later on this week. Moving on here, my conversations with the Syracuse Orange. We go to Frank Howard. I had a quick opportunity to speak with him before we rolled out of the uh, – they, they gave us a set amount of time in the locker room. So right before that time was up, had an opportunity to go over to Frank about what he had to say to me a game before. In the round of 64 when they had defeated TCU, he told me, he said, I just – I get a feeling when this team is in the tournament. I asked him about that feeling after they won over Michigan State. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, when it's uh, when the pressure's up, you know, I'm gonna take these guys every time. You know, we, you know, we're not afraid of the moment. You know, we, we're gonna attack the moment. We're gonna attack the other team, and you know, we're gonna be aggressive. Uh, this team has fought all year. You know, with, you know, against the odds. You know, six, seven dudes. You know, not having any subs. You know, and uh, just fighting through tough, tough games. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm confident in these guys, and uh, you know, this is this is special. After that quick hit of Frank Howard, my conversation with Frank coming out of the Michigan State game, it is now time to get into my one-on-one conversation with O'Shea Brissett. Said that he, when we look at this this time, and and with O'Shea and, and the fact that they said that they don't deserve to be in. On the outside, looking in, they said, 
Syracuse does not deserve to be in this thing. The talking heads, the quote-unquote gurus of basketball, just what he could say to that as the team continues to move on. Amazing, um, especially making it this far. Especially making it this far, um, doing what we could do to, to get those wins. Uh, you know, everyone in the, in the locker room is really happy, uh, especially because you know a lot of people thought we should be in the NIT. When you see what this team has been able to do, have you ever experienced anything like this before at, at any level, in your opinion? No, you know, there's always on every team there's those guys that you know don't don't want to win, guys that uh, you know just give up. But I feel like on this team, everyone does what they can, you know, to get those wins, and um, that just that showed today. You know, Brandon coming off the bench, a guy who hasn't played in a lot of games, that didn't play at all today, and you know, diving on the floor like that, uh, making great hustle plays. Um, you know, it just shows how ready everybody is. You said big things about Braden Bay earlier on in the season, and just what you could say about when he needed to step up when Frank went out, and people obviously probably expected you to falter a little bit. You didn't. No, not at all. Um, he's a great player. We play with him every day. Uh, we know what he's capable of and you know we know that he's a guy that wants to win and, and he loves the game so whatever he was able to do he, he came in and did that. Frank going out with 616 left just what you can say has an additive kind of push for you to win for him as well. Uh, you know we just we know how how well he played all day and we didn't want to let you know one of our main guys um, you know leave here you know without a win if he wasn't in the game to help us out he was there, he was there cheering us on so we know we had to go you know like a little extra hard you know the game was for him. And lastly for me just the frustrating defense that you guys cause and what you create with that with keeping the team in the 50s that's your game yeah yeah um you know that just shows you know how how ready everybody was today uh flying around on the defensive end we knew what it take um you know to get that win and um you know they're a great three-point shooting team so once we flew out on the shooters um, it really helped us out that coming once again from O'Shea Brissett. O'Shea Brissett of the Syracuse Orange, a true freshman that has not played like a true freshman all season long, continues to help the team and, like I said, was the second leading scorer on the Syracuse Orange in this game. A huge big-time win over Michigan State as they move on to the Sweet 16. Coming up next is Matthew Moyer. My conversation with Matthew, even though there was negativity out there, the team stayed the course and continued to believe in themselves. This is what Matt had to say about that. Um, you know, it's crazy. This is the craziest feeling I've ever felt in my life. Um, so it's unbelievable. You know, the, the opportunity to go to Sweet 16 when people, you know, had us out, the last team in. Um, you know, when we lost to North Carolina, they were like, oh, there's no way. They're NIT. They suck. Blah, blah, blah. Our own fans. You know, so just to be, you had the opportunity to come out here and, and play the Sweet 16 stuff you've dreamed about, it's crazy. The shot before the half. You get over and you block McQuaid. Somehow he catches it and throws it back up there, and it goes off the backboard. Is that one of the craziest shots you've ever experienced before? Uh, I was really confused. I was like, are you serious? I was like, what? <laughs> I mean, I blocked it, and I thought it went out of bounds, so I turned looking like, where's the ball at? And it, he ended up catching it and throwing it. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And then in the second half, Miles Bridges banks a three. I mean, honestly, we, we could have we won by more. I mean, the way I saw the game, the way the, way the game was going, we were playing great defense, and uh, you know, Duke better be ready. 
and just speak on you know frustrating other teams because the games when they're down in the 50s or in 40s or whatever it may be that's your game to play and that's that's obviously how this team wants to go oh, yeah. just what you could say about being a frustrating defense and keeping a team in that 50 area um, you know it's crazy um, you know they're, they can score the ball in many ways they can shoot they have inside presence and you know to keep them their shooting percent percentage low um, you know it's in the testament to our defense Frank Howard goes out with 6.16 left in the game. Just what you can say about the team kind of corralling together, including Braden Bayer, and finding a way to win. Did you feel like there was, you know, kind of an additive want and desire to win, knowing that one of your guys was out of the game? Oh, we, we knew we were going to win. Braden's practice, he's, 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 he's been ready for this moment since the first day of the season. Um, you know, he's worked his butt off over the summer, and he's ready for this moment. He was ready for this moment. For this moment. When you look at this team and you look at the fact that you know there isn't a deep bench and, and there's things going on on the outside with the NCAA with scholarships and whatnot in the first place, to make it as far as this team has made it, how impressed have you been of the guys in the locker room with you? Just what you could say about this run and just, I know you said it was the craziest feeling you've ever felt. You know, this group of guys is a special group of guys that uh, you know our fans are going to remember forever. Uh, this is just, you know, like I said, like like you just said that I said, it's crazy. You know, this feeling is crazy, and um, you know, the, the leaders we have in this locker room, the leadership, down to, you know, Brayton, who who hasn't played much all season and was is ready for this moment, and down to, to the last walk on. It doesn't matter. We're all one knit group, and. You know, it, it shows. This win, this win shows. You said Duke better be ready. You played them before. Just what you can say about playing them again? Um, we're gonna be we're gonna be much more ready this time. You know, last time, um, you know, we didn't get really many good looks. Um, you know, it's just a not a, not really a game that went in our favor. You know, it was in Cameron. Um, I think uh, I think it's gonna be really good. Good game. That coming from Matt Moyer saying that Duke. Better be ready when they face Syracuse in the Sweet 16. And finally, before we take our final step aside and get into ingredients to success on that Duke game, here is Tyus Battle starting the conversation off on something that my wife brought up and that I've been seeing this season is him wearing those banana shoes. Everybody wearing shoes that, you know, you don't really like see on the floor when you're watching the game. And then you see these very vibrant yellow shoes that Tyus Battle has been wearing. He didn't wear them in the game over Michigan's against Michigan, Michigan State. Scored 17 points in the game. So I said, are the banana shoes officially retired? This is what he had to say about that. Uh, no, they, they were just, I saw um, a woman practice the other day, and I saw they were getting a little beat up. And when I was playing with them, I was a little sliding inside of them and stuff like that. So uh, I'm comfortable with these. And they're both Kyrie threes, so I'm, I'm comfortable. <laughs> you had a quiet first half, and then you just came on in the second half. Just what you could say about kind of putting the team on your shoulders when you needed to and attacking when you needed to. Um, man, I, just in the first half, I wasn't attacking enough, not trying to get to the basket enough. I was selling for too many jump shots. Uh, so in, in the second half, I made it my initiative. To just get to the basket, draw some fouls, and get to the foul line. You hit that step back jump shot. Just what you could say about going into that play because that was a big part of the clincher for you. Uh, well, I knew once the Frank got fouled out, uh, the whole team was going to be hanging in paint. They knew I was going to shoot the ball. Um, 
but usually I, I know I can beat the first defender. Um, so once I beat him, got him off balance, tried to step back, uh, didn't try to get too deep, and I was, I was open for a jump shot. Michigan State has arguably the best player in the country, according to a lot of Miles Bridges. You take them down. Just what you can say about going up against a team that a lot of people counted you out with and up against a player that's noted as one of the best in the country. Uh, he's a good player. Uh, rebounds, is athletic, uh, versatile. Uh, but we, we don't listen to what people say. Uh, we, we, we expect to win every time we step on the floor. And uh, we're, we're not afraid of anyone. And lastly from me, just what you could say about with Frank going out at 6-16, just what it meant for you as your backcourt mate and in general to get that kind of additive push to win this game for him as well as for all you guys. Uh, it, was, it was a tough one for us when Frank went out. Uh, but I know he has confidence in me bringing the ball up. We, we switched that role all the time throughout the season and stuff like that. And uh, Brandon did a great job coming in the game, playing great defense. And um, our guys held it down out there. Held it down. Thank you. This is a wake-up call. Fast break. Gear up with the real deal at Drysig Apparel. Creating what people are going to see and learn about you before they even meet you. Gear up for what you need for your team, business, or event. To look professional, look good, and feel good, outfit yourself at drysigapparel.com. That's D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G apparel.com. The only place to gear up with the real deal. What's the universal language of a fan? Clapping your hands. With Fan Hands, the ultimate sports fan accessory, find your team color, slip them on, and start cheering on your favorite team with 11 different colors always in stock on FanHands.com, where you'll find the ultimate sports fan accessory. Real fans wear Fan Hands. Unica Pizza Company spells family, your family, my family, their family. The recipes that they have shared with each other throughout the years and have now been so gracious to share them with us. I can sit here and talk with you about all the great things that are on the menu. We'd be here forever. So let me say this. Utica Pizza Company is second to none. And now you can bring it home with you and you can dine in in the restaurant. UticaPizzaCompany.com will give you all the information that you need. And let me say, these Utica Greens, they're the best. Utica Pizza Company. Call them and place your order at 315-214-3060. That's 315-214-3060. Families break bread at Utica Pizza Company. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Happy to be here with you every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. We've had a little bit of a change in the schedule here and there due to the NCAA tournament. So I thank you for being patient with us and for being able to and taking the time to listen with us on Sundays and on Saturdays and different times we've been broadcasting the show. So thank you so much for being a part of it and being a part of the Wake Up Call family, as I like to call you all the call crew. So thank you for being a part of the call crew, and I appreciate you very much for all that you've done to support the show. Whether it's going on to the Right Now page of wakeupcalldt.com and reading one of the over 500 articles 
or it's listening to it, listening to the show live every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt, following on Twitter at calldt, on Instagram at wakeupcall underscore dt, on Facebook at wakeupcalldt, or it's watching youtube.com backslash wakeupcalldt, or you go on wakeupcalldt.com and you're clicking on the RSS feed or the downloadable app powered by Podbean or the iTunes podcast, or uh, now on TuneIn Radio. If you look up Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, we're there too. So however you're doing it, and to those of you that do it all, because I know you're out there, I appreciate it so very much, and I thank you so much for all that you do. And speaking of saying thank you, you know, you got to say thank you to a company here in, in central New York that has been so wonderful to us, and that is... Utica Pizza Company, ingredients to success for Syracuse when facing Duke in the Sweet 16, being discussed live right now, courtesy of this signature segment uh, from Utica Pizza Company. Utica Pizza Company can be found on 628 South Main Street in North Syracuse, New York, and you can call them for catering as well as carryout and delivery at 315-214-3060. That's 315 315- 214-3060. And of course, you can go to 628 South Main Street, North Syracuse, New York. If you go to your local price chopper, as well as going out to uh, Spira's and Nichols, you will find the jarred sauces from Utica Pizza Company, as well as their tomato pie. So you can buy it in your local go- grocery stores. You can have it cater to you. You can have it delivered to you. You can go and pick it up, and you can dine in on site, on location at 628 South Main Street in North Syracuse, New York, right by Sweetheart Corner. So, so many different ways to get yourselves involved, and thank you to everybody that does head out to enjoy some Utica pizza and the wake-up call number one pick, chicken riggy pizza. With that being said, let's get into the ingredients to success for Syracuse and to have a win over Duke. If Syracuse wants to defeat Duke, this is how the Orange have to do it. Well, I would say first and foremost, take the blueprint of what you did against Michigan State. Yes, Michigan State, they, you know, for some odd reason, it was funny. I said it would it would kind of be, you know, the Vermont way or the Albany way or, you know, the Wake Forest way, whatever that may be, uh, you know, beating Syracuse by just launching up a ton of threes. I thought that Michigan State had more talent to utilize inside. I thought that, and that was no disrespect to the other teams I was saying. I'm just saying, like, when Vermont plays Syracuse, they just lived and died by the three. And there's teams that do Cornell, live and die by the three. You know, there's the, they, they just, they set up to play Syracuse. They want to beat the two, three zone. So they launch threes and they hope that they'll be 50, 60, 70% from three point range. So they could get out of the thing alive and, and get a victory over the orange. Well, Michigan state, I just thought with Tom Izzo and his history of coaching and his intelligence of, of, you know, kind of knowing how to decipher and break things down to being one of the best coaches in the game with no disrespect to anybody else, that he would be somebody who would take care of business and know that he has Miles Bridges, arguably the best player in the country, and his teammates definitely think so. I mean, in my mind, I'm, I'm thinking here going, okay, they're going to use Miles Bridges. He's going to He's going to get involved in transition. He's They're going to try and get him 20 points in this game. He's going to attack inside. He only had one dunk with 7.48 left in the game. Only one dunk. That made me stop and say, 
That's amazing. Only one dunk, only one time, slamming it home where you took a step back and you're like, okay, that's Miles Bridges. But Cassius Winston, he's, he made a few threes here and there. The thing is, Syracuse's defense, when Miles caught the ball and he had the basket over his left shoulder, they swarmed him and he passed it off. And that's the thing is, as good as Miles is, the confidence factor. When Syracuse collapsed on him, I thought he would go, whatever, I'm Miles Bridges, and just take it to the rack. More often than not, he didn't. If they fronted him, he would give the ball up. And I feel like that has to do with youth. You know, we talk about the NBA loves prospects, that they want to try and figure out what they're going to do and the potential and yada, yada, yada. Well, with Miles Bridges, another year could help his confidence. And I know it's crazy to say that Miles Bridges isn't confident, but if he was confident to the max, 100%, then when he caught that ball and had a hand in his face, he would go, whatever, I'm going to take you to the basket now. And he didn't do that nine times out of 10. He didn't do that 9.8 times out of 10 against Syracuse. And yeah, I mean, yeah, it helps that Syracuse was going up against a Michigan State team that had an off-night shooting from three-point range. But ultimately, the Orange's defense has played two really strong games, or three really strong games in a row in this tournament. Against Arizona State, there's no reason why they should have been down that game. I said that repeatedly. And I'm not, and I'm and again, I'm not trying to disrespect Arizona State. Syracuse was better than them in that game. They just weren't making shots. They weren't attacking the basket. And I'm watching them going, this defense is doing everything for this team. This defense is doing everything they need to do. Syracuse should not lose this game because this defense has given them everything. They've said they've said to the, you know, the defense of Syracuse allowed the offense of Syracuse against Arizona State to be like, you know what, score? Let's maybe get to 60. We'll be okay. And then against TCU, you have at least five three-point shooters. I'm in their practice. They're shooting threes like crazy, launching them up, making a ton of them. And I see them as kind of a beehive type of swarm. And then you got Jamie Dixon, who knows how to coach against Syracuse's zone. So you got Dixon, who has history and success against Bayheim. You got a bunch of three-point shooters. You got them practicing your, their threes. They're hitting their threes, being a swarm. And then all of a sudden, they don't get it done. And Syracuse takes TCU completely out of their game. And TCU plays Syracuse's game for what I consider to be the better part of 40 minutes, like 39 to 40 minutes. They were playing Syracuse's game. And then you fast forward to Michigan State, and Michigan State's launching up threes. And I'm completely confused that Tom Izzo isn't putting the ball inside, isn't dumping it to Nick Ward. Because in my mind, I'm like, okay, you know Syracuse doesn't have a lot of players. You know that Pascal Chugu has been known to foul. You know that Barama has been known to foul because they're very physical and they want to get after it and they want to block every shot that comes their way. And it's like they take personally, if you get to the basket, by them. So they're going to attack you as, as often as humanly possible. So I thought, okay, Izzo's going to attack them inside. He's got Ward and he's got Bridges. But he didn't. So Syracuse has to understand that Coach K in this situation – a lot smarter than Tom Izzo against the 2-3 zone. He's already beaten Syracuse once. And in this game that they played Syracuse, they won 60-44 to at home for Duke. And when we go to how the team did, Wendell Carter Jr. had 16 in the game. Marvin Bagley the third had 19. Grayson Allen only had 6. So Syracuse with Grayson Allen, here's the thing. Grayson Allen went 3-for-9 on his field goals, 0-for-6 from 3. We know when Grayson Allen gets going from three-point range, he is a pain in the butt to try and stop. You know, he opened up 
a game in the ACC tournament where he hit five threes. He was five for five in the first half, and at one point, and they were all three-point shots. So, to me, you look back at that game and say Syracuse lost by 16, and Grayson Allen was a non-factor in the game. Ingredients to success, keep him a non-factor, obviously. Get your hands up in his face, front him, and be ready. The hard thing about Duke, and I thought that this would be a difficult thing about Michigan State, is that they have an inside and outside game. You know, they can they can move the ball around and do what they got to do, and we know Cassius Winston could hit some threes, but they have Miles Bridges, and Bridges wants to shoot from all over the floor. So, you know, but I thought that they would back Syracuse down more. I thought they would attack the basket more underneath. And I feel like in the case of Marvin Bagley III and Wendell Carter Jr., they're going to do that. Marvin Bagley's going to attack the basket like crazy. And he had 19 points in 31 minutes against Syracuse, 8 for 9, all inside the arc in that game. So there's a lot of talent on this team. There's Gary Trent Jr., there's you know Trayvon Duvall, there's Grayson Allen, there's Wendell Carter Jr., there's Marvin Bagley III, and so on and so forth. So I can argue that there's more weapons on this Duke team, but I thought there was a lot of weapons on Michigan State's team. So if Duke wants to live by the three, die by the three, and Grayson Allen has an off night, and some of these guys have an off night, then Syracuse has a big shot in this, a big chance in this. Syracuse's biggest ingredient to success in this game is to get out scoring and get scoring early. Make the first bucket. Be the first to get on the stat sheet. Be the first hit. You know, don't wait. Don't be a react. Constantly go after them. Be the preemptive strike. So Syracuse, win the tip, get down there, and go to the basket. And they need to attack. That's the thing about Syracuse. When they attack, they get fouled a lot. Tyus gets fouled. O'Shea gets fouled. Frank gets fouled. Pascal gets fouled. Attack the basket because one of the biggest things for them against Michigan State is they got Michigan State in foul trouble in the second half. And when you get them in a position where they have six fouls and we're looking at you got, you know, eight, seven, eight, nine minutes where one more foul and you're shooting the rest of the way, one and ones, and then the double bonus, hopefully. Syracuse needs to get Duke in foul trouble. They need to take advantage of the youngsters of Duke who are going to make some rookie mistakes because they still do that. Marvin Bagley III, these guys, they make those mistakes that you shouldn't be making when you've been in for a while. So you need to attack them. You need to attack them often. Syracuse cannot live by the three and die by the three. If they're feeling it, go for it. You saw my videos in Detroit. You know Frank can make them and consecutively. You know Tyus can make them consecutively you know O'Shea when he misses a couple and then he goes inside the arc makes it and then he goes back outside that's what you need to do when it's not dropping take a break from the three if you're a little bit off they go inside because the chances are if you're if you're cold from three-point range but you step in the arc you get inside the arc there's you know your chances are a lot higher that if you're off from three stepping in a little bit is gonna put that ball in the basket it's going to boost your confidence, then you step back out. That's what O'Shea did. That's why he doesn't play like a true freshman. That's why I say that all the time, because he has that intelligence that you don't see from all true freshmen. So, you know, obviously O'Shea needs to score. Tyus needs to score. Frank needs to score. Obviously, ingredients to success, they have to stay out of foul trouble. Marek Dolajai has to continue to attack. I think he's a huge X factor in this game. If he attacks, he takes jump shots, he takes a three or two, he goes inside and fights to the basket, he's going to get fouled. Duke is going to get flustered. 
Duke is going to be confused, and I think that Coach K having to mark Marek Dolajai is going to leave one of those guys, the Frank Howard, the Tyus Battles, the O'Shea Brissett's open, and that's going to make the game really difficult. So I see that as a factor for Syracuse as an ingredient to success. Pascal's got to keep making free throws. Barama's got to continue to give them some good minutes. Matthew Moyer, as much as you know, he's not involved offensively, I want to see him grab more rebounds if Syracuse hopes to win this game. He needs to fight for more rebounds, make better decisions with the ball, and that when he's dribbling, at least pump fake, at least make them think you're going to shoot, get them to jump and then jump into him and get fouled. Do that down the stretch when you need it, if the game is close, and just have good eyes. If you're not going to be shooting, then rely on your vision and make good decision decisions with the ball. And, you know, I've, so, I mean, you look at that. Ingredients to success for Syracuse to beat Duke once again. Keep playing your heavy defense. Keep running around. These guys played on Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday. Every other day. In a five-game span, they played three times. In a, in a five-day span, they played three times. Five days, they played three times. Three games in five days, and everybody was saying, how can this team that has no depth and has no legs and has no this and has no that, and these guys are doing, these guys have to constantly be playing 40 minutes in a game. They're going to be tired. They just beat Michigan State, playing their third game in five days. Now, you've given them Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday to get ready for this game. Four days to get ready. That's another ingredient to success to get them right, get them iced, get them feeling good, get them moving forward, and put them in a better position now that they have a little break. They showed that three games in five days was no problem for them. Now they got four days off to get ready for this game. So that's another ingredient to success. The Syracuse has had time with not having a deep bench. The Matthew Moyer make coming up and making a big player too. That's been huge. That's an ingredient to success. Marek, I told you, that's an ingredient. Pascal, that's an ingredient. Barama, that's an ingredient. Those four guys stepping up. Braden Bayer, if he has to come back in to play defense, to be out there on the floor in the final six minutes and change, to be able to be out there, be for the team, and not and nobody not, not there was no boo about Braden Bayer. I think about officials. I was told by Mike Kitts, if you're a good official, they won't remember your name when you walk out of the building because you didn't do it because you didn't do anything egregious that makes them stop and think. Braden Bayer, they might know his name coming out of the building might be a little bit different in this sense because they know his name coming out because he did a good job. But what he doesn't have is he doesn't have people saying, well, yeah, that walk on, that's why he's a walk on. That it's you know the Braden Bayer being a walk on, getting a scholarship, and then getting out there in the biggest game that Syracuse played all season against arguably one of the best teams Syracuse played all season to do what he did, play defense the way that he did. He left that game without anybody having to complain a, a single ounce about him, unless again they're ignorant, naive, and they weren't paying attention to the game. I did not have to write down one negative thing about Braden Bayer. I didn't have to say, well, he let this happen, he let that happen, he let him back in the game, he did this, he did that. He did not put himself in a bad position, nor did he put the team in a bad position. O'Shea Brissett came to the defense of Braden Bayer during the season and basically said, you need to respect him. And then Braden Bayer came out on the court and said, thanks, O'Shea, now I'm going to prove to you my own self why you need to respect me on top of 
what O'Shea said and have O'Shea not have to eat his words, but appreciate his words. And he did that. So Braden Bayer, if he has to come out there, this team has been a team, take away their point guard, have no bench, take this, take that, Geno leaves, have a walk-on come in. This story is set up to be a great one for the Orange. You got the ingredients to success, brought to you by Utica Pizza Company. You got phenomenal food brought to you by Utica Pizza Company. And you have an amazing game on its way on Friday, March 23rd from Omaha, Nebraska, around 9.30, a little bit after 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. This has been Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. I will be with you tomorrow morning, Wednesday, March 21st, and we will have a phenomenal opportunity to hear from the West Genesee Wildcats girls basketball team and so much more on tomorrow's broadcast. I also have a massive trivia event going on at the All-Star Alley and Tavern in Destin, USA. If you want to come out for that, you can sign up and play in it. It's for charity. It's for a healthier option for the kids that are going to be enjoying their prom at Bishop Ludden. So this is to raise money to create a party that's going to be a drug-free, alcohol-free, safer option for your kids and for the kids out there listening. If you're somebody like me who is never into drugs, not really big on drinking, that just wanted to have a good time and be safe, you could do that. It's not corny. It's not it's not being, you know, a stuck up. It's not being, you know, the teacher's pet. It's about taking care of yourself and taking care of your life and being in control of your actions. So with that being said, I thank the fa- I, I, I thank Bishop Ludden for giving me the opportunity. I thank the I thank All Star Alley Tavern for giving me the opportunity. And I can't wait to get out there. We have almost twenty teams right now. It's gonna be a huge event and I'm ecstatic about it. And I'm also doing trivia tonight, so back-to-back. I'll be at Sammy Malone's at 6.30 p.m. in Baldwinsville on 2 Oswego Street. So come see me at Sammy Malone's tonight at 6.30, and then head out to Destiny USA tomorrow night and hang out with me there for our big Bishop Ludden thing. And I'm going to put up something on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram about it so you got the info. In the meantime, God bless you. Have a great day. Stay close to wakeupcalldt.com and make sure you go to wakeupcalldt.podbean.com for over 930 broadcasts that you don't want to miss. God bless you and God bless every single person of every background, every color, every sexual orientation, every ethnicity, every amount of money in this world because you're all important. We all are together. Have a great day, folks, and I'll talk with you soon.